Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, it's me, Colin, your beloved co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading our show and for supporting us. If you like what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving us a nice review on a podcast service of your choice. And if you really like us, like really, venture on over to Patreon and subscribe to Colin's Last Stand. Doing so gains you access to the weekly Sacred Symbols supplemental podcast we call Sacred Symbols Plus. And you can also get ad-free access to every standard episode of the show, like the one you're listening to right now, three days earlier than the public. Other perks include submitting your inquiries and thoughts to be used on the show, and you can even determine some of the games we record Let's Plays for. I'll be frank, Colin's Last Stand's Patreon is a bonanza of value. And hey, we have merch too, so check it out at tinyurl.com slash sacredshirts. So consider showing your support if you can or even want to. But hey, if you want to just keep listening like you are right now, that's cool too. We love you either way. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 62. Ooh. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Raygun. I have no fun thing to call you. This oh, week. good. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess the number 62 is like not a great, not a fun one. It's not really an inspiring number. No. 62. See, the 60s in general, yeah. I feel like, are very uninspiring numbers. Like, it, I remember when I was, like, when my YouTube channel was doing well, it was like, and I hit that 60K mark, I was like, ah, I'd rather be at 50 or, like, 
really yeah. speed past this 75, whole thing. Yeah. Something like that. Something meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. 62. That's like before you can get Medicare. That's before you can have social security payments, I think. You're kind of just waiting, right? Yeah. You're waiting to die at that point. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm 34 and I'm waiting to die as well. Exactly. Well, Chris, thank you for joining me today. Of course. Uh, I hope everyone out there is doing very well. Remember, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast post every Tuesday on Patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. If you want to support us over there, get the show three days early and ad free. If you want to be freeloaders, that's perfectly fine with us. The show comes out for you on Fridays. Please tell friends and family about the show. Leave us nice reviews on podcast services and be good to yourself. Please be good to yourself. Yeah, don't be a fool. Please be good to yourself. Chris, football starts in a few days from when we're recording this. In fact, it will have already started when this uh, goes on free feeds. I'm so excited. That's just riveting. It's. I know you're not a sports guy, but uh, <laughs> everyone out there knows that I'm a huge football fan and a huge hockey fan, and they start around the same time. So especially from September through January, so it's a pretty decent time in my life. I'm not going to say good. Because yeah. I don't have good times. In my life. <laughs> it's something to uh, pull you out of the abyss. But it's something to look forward to. As I just, it's like putty in the cha- in the uh, in the airplane seat on the way back from Europe, just staring straight ahead <laughs> at the seat in front of him. That's usually what I'm doing until football season begins. How many episodes before this <laughs> this show just becomes uh, Seinfeld references? Uh, it's good. I wonder if our, some of our audience is too young, probably, to understand it. Too stupid, in <laughs> fact, to understand it. But we have a pretty old we have a pretty old audience, I think, by video game podcast standards. We we make a show for adults. Yeah, we make a show for it's a very mature show. here. It's a very mature show. By the way, you were saying that the uh, just a quick thought about the 60s. Some people are really inspired by the number 69 for obvious sexual reasons. But I've always been really put off by that whole thing, too. It's so stupid. I'm not saying 69 as a sexual position is bad. It's right. Fantastic. But what I'm saying is the whole like, oh, 69. Well, that's when we went to the moon. 1969. Right? That's true. Very so good. You're a there's, there's good. There's good things about that one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But the most most of that chunk of numbers is kind of 63 is when JFK got his head blown off. That's in right. Dallas, Texas. So that's not a good number. You know. <laughs> but 65 is when the the Great Society and Medicare came out. Came out like it's a fucking yeah, like, like it's, it's a, a video game. Uh, Chris, there's a few things we need to get into before we move any further. All right. Sacred Symbols Plus, of course, is rolling on. People are really loving it. Remember, Sacred Symbols Plus is our weekly supplemental podcast available only to Collins Last Stands patrons at any level. So you can be at a dollar, you can be at five dollars, you can be at two dollars, whatever the case might be. Uh, this week's coming up that we're going to record right after this is all about we don't really know, like cancel culture. In video games, Gamergate, I think very similar to our violence discussion, it's just going to be a very wide ranging talk that I don't really have a plan for. But we did solicit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas for the from the audience for that. So please look forward to it. And remember that we have some ones in the past, including the one I just mentioned on violence. We got through some questions that we weren't able to get through on our regular episodes. We did one about first party developers. We're going to do next week a control review discussion and spoiler cast. Right. That will be the episode of Sacred Symbols Plus that week. So please be there for it. It's going to be a lot. Some might say it's too much. Maybe. Chris, remember also that we have merch, tinyurl.com slash sacred shirts if you want to go check that out. And remember, you can go to Patreon as well and get the high res images for free if you can't afford them for the merch and you want to make your own or you want to make merch that's just not available. So let's say you want to make a throw rug with the Collins Last Stand, you know, logo. Right. Well, that's not available to purchase anywhere. So you can make your own and you don't have to. I'm not going to charge you for it. I'm not going to get mad at you about it. He will get mad at you. I might get a little mad at you about it. Chris, Josh Cash wrote into us on Patreon. All he said was the word supple. Now, he didn't write supple <laughs> like the word he wrote. He just wrote three words. The word 
Supple. Supple's a funny word. How do you feel about that word? It's a funny. It's a good one. Yeah. It's uh. There's no. There's. There's no real good use for it because anytime that it comes into, anytime that you can use it, I feel like there's a myriad of other words that you could use that would get the point across better or just not sound as disgusting. Yeah, it's a disgusting word. Yeah. I'm looking up what it even means. Bending and moving easily and gracefully. <laughs> Flexible. Yeah. I don't know that I thought that that was what supple meant because I hear you hear like, don't you hear people say even jokingly around movies like supple breasts or yeah. something weird like that? Well, bending and moving easily and gracefully and flexible, I guess. I, it's, I guess it's so. a stretch. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Zebro Jr. wrote into us and this one's really going to annoy you. He said, hello, Colin and Chris, are pizza rolls just Italian gushers? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> well no i mean oh we're getting god. so many of these I, oh my god oh my god that actually that was actually really genuinely blood boiling it's annoying right <laughs> it's not a good one mark zebro and mark zebro jr not to be confused with the original mark zebro of course yeah not the senior <laughs> god damn it all right i just want to say a few other things get into a few other questions comments concerns thoughts and ideas before we get into the games we're playing of which i have many to talk about you yeah. have one we have one and we probably should save a little bit of what we want to say about that game but for sure First, I want to say Naughty Dog's PlayStation 3 online games. So Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, The Last of Us are all shutting down, which means that if you didn't get the online trophies for these games, they will be forever unattainable by the time you hear this podcast. I'm sorry to say it's, it's over. It's a damn shame. Now, you can still play the games on PS4 with the Uncharted collection and The Last of Us Remastered. I'm actually playing The Last of Us on PS3. I started again yesterday because I actually have the online trophies. So those are done. Now I just need the regular trophies that I'm missing. Oh, perfect. So I might be one of the very last people to ever platinum that game. We'll have to see. But it's sad to see them go. They kept them on online for a long time, though. Is the collect is the Nathan Drake collection thing? Does does those does that have the multiplayer in them? Oh, maybe not. Because I remember hearing something that it wasn't in there. Oh, maybe it's not. Maybe I never even thought about I don't that. Know, maybe I, I the trophies were it. removed. I can say that. Right. So maybe it's not online, in which case he'll never play Uncharted 2 or Uncharted 3 again, ever again. That's, a, that's, that's sad. It's been a long time, though. Uncharted 2 came out 10 years ago. Pretty pretty amazing they kept that game online for that long, right? So it not bad. And, and eight years for Uncharted 3 and six years for, Unch or for The Last of Us. So anyway, that ship has sailed goodbye forever. And, and that comes around the time that Drive Club has also been delisted, by the way. So you can't play that game anymore. You can't even buy it. I mean, you know, not missing much. I yeah, think. I don't think so. Gustavo Ochoa wrote in. Isn't it? Ocho is eight, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So almost eight. Says, hey, Cr Crunchy Tempura Colin and Crispy Chris. Uh, just wanted to add an additional talking point regarding demos. So last week we were talking about demos. He brought up a good point. He says, remember when PS Plus included full game trials as a benefit of the service? This was an awesome addition back during the PS3 era. What, why the hell was it discontinued? I did forget about that. That is true. I didn't know about that. So I think there were games like Infamous and other games where you can basically download the full game and play it for a timed amount of time That's right. Time I think period. I did that. I think I did that with Infamous and Infamous 2. Might have been an hour or something like that. Yeah, I think it was like an hour or two. And so that's kind of similar in some way to what's going on on Steam in a way because you can get your money back after you play a game for an hour or two. But I totally forgot about that. And I have no idea why it was removed. I, my assumption is that no one was doing it. Or yeah. very few people were doing it. They my wouldn't remove it if it was a... Yeah, my assumption is that if it translate, if they knew that it translated, this is exactly what I was saying last time. If they knew or they had data that suggested that that trial period led to more sales, they would have kept the trial period. I agree. So it must have been that it just didn't really do much. 
It's the same thing when people got mad, and I understand, but people got mad at stuff like the Linux removal of PS3 and stuff. They wouldn't have done that if they had data that that was really going to hurt. They were sued over it, but I, I kind of like people need to relax a little bit. With Just, some a of this stuff. Just a tad. Just a tad. Just a smidge. Everybody's really high strung these days. I'll tell you what, man. They really are fucking A. David Duran wrote in. It could also be Duran. It's spelled the same way as Duran, as in Duran Duran, the lovely 80s new wave band that I adore. Said on episode 61, Colin said that Crytek probably wasn't around anymore. They got an awesome game out right now on Xbox Early Access and Steam called Hunt Showdown. Oh, that's right. It's a Lovecraftian horror themed PvPVE game that is really awesome and has slipped under a lot of people's radars. That's right. I was looking forward to this. I didn't even realize it was out. Uh, I didn't realize it was Crytek. So you're absolutely right. I looked into this. This is Crytek's first game in three years. They do still exist. They're still out there banging around. That's crazy. Their last game was Robinson The Journey, of course, which came to PSVR in 2016 hmm. so it's been a while but thank you for the correction david and finally before we get into what we're playing adam barnes wrote into us chris he said colin i love you but this one's for chris chris you posted on ig that's instagram for the young people or no for the old people young people know recently that you've been having a rough year that sucks and i hope it gets better for you i know there's a meme that you put out of content every couple of months however if other youtubers were putting out content of half the quality of yours it would take them a year you have some of the funniest and well thought out videos I've ever seen. Hell, I treat your YouTube page like Spotify with all the songs you've done. They are seriously great. You truly are a small god. And I want you to point <laughs> me in the direction of whoever wronged you. And I will deal them out some Aussie bogan justice. What is I don't know what that means. I, mean, I don't I just, know. That's terrifying. So you're, you. you're having a bad year, Chris? I don't know. It's just like a little. It's just all over the place. Yeah. Things are weird. I agree. You know, there's a weirdness in 2019. Yeah. You know, I think 2020 is going to be good. I hope so. I because think it's 20- going to be a disaster. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It'll be fun. <laughs> It'll be no, a fun one. Maybe not fun, but funny. Yeah, definitely amusing. Yeah. I feel like. If you don't laugh, you'll cry, as my mom always says. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that term. I love that saying. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. I agree. 2019 has been a little weird. I'm really in my head right now mm-hmm, yeah. w- with a lot of like what I want to do. I'm really being beckoned back home for some reason. You know? Yeah. I don't know. And by the way, before people freak out, if I ever went home, we would still do the show. Don't worry. Yeah, Everything's going to be yeah. fine. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, I, there, there's nothing written yet, but I've really been thinking about it pretty deeply. You know, 2019 has treated me strangely. Mm-hmm. I have a weird sorrow inside of me this year. I'm not even being facetious. No, no, no. There's yeah, like a yeah. weird melancholy about this year and a weird loneliness and a weird... I don't know. I would agree. You there's know? a lot of... This, it feels like just a series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is also you know, a book, I think. It's a great book. I never read it. Yeah, it's a nice little series for kids. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like, uh, I feel like the years before were a little bit more predictable, but in more of a fun way. Like this year is like nothing's thrown me for a loop this year, but it's yeah. also just been like, ah, it's been very ruddy, like very paint by numbers in yeah. a lot of ways. And it's sure. like, ah, I wish something would happen. So I've been doing the stand up stuff. That's good. I was like, ah, I should just do something different. I'm excited for you. Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about that. So I, uh, you know, Chris is doing okay. I, I, think that the the honesty and the candor about where we are and what we're feeling, I think, is kind of an important component of the show. Yeah. Well, and I just don't yeah. like, I don't know, there's like, there's two sides of it where it's like, there are people who are constantly happy online and you know for a fact that they're miserable and it just comes across as really fake. And there are also people who are like constantly miserable online in an effort to like kind of like consistently garner like sympathy from everybody yeah. that they're constantly trying to validate themselves. And I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's, I get that social media is a place you go to escape shit and I try to like make it fun as often as possible. But at the same time, it, it begins to feel fake when it just continues to be like that. So I like to break through every couple, every now and again and just be like, hey, listen, you know, life is real. <laughs> you know, people are, people exist. Everybody's a person. 
And uh, yeah, everyone yeah. is a person. I yeah. won't disagree with you there. You know, I haven't. I had to even unfollow a, a pretty prominent YouTuber on Twitter just the last few days because it's just constant drama from mm. this person. Just constant drama, then constant sorrow, then constant fandom coming in and lifting you. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I don't think I ever see anything out of this person that's not this. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it is you kind of get it, get back what you put into it in a way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 2019, I feel you. It's got a weird cadence to it. And I really have to I'm deep in my head. Aaron and Lola are gone in Massachusetts for a few weeks. So I've been basically just alone. And uh, I've just been thinking about just thinking mm -hmm. and just trying to figure it out. Life is finite. We must find happiness somehow. Exactly. Chris, let's get into the game for playing. We're both playing Control now, and we both played it. I think. Are you, have you beaten it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have too. Okay, so again, we're going to do a Control review discussion and spoiler cast, and I want to save it for that. And by the way, as I promised, any review discussion slash spoiler cast Sacred Symbols Plus episode will go live eventually for free feeds. Yeah. So I don't want to alienate and isolate people that want to talk about the specific games. They'll We'll get to you on that as well. That's what I promised you, and that's what we'll do. But what are your thoughts on on this game? In short, without getting too in-depth in with it, it is my favorite game this year that I don't understand at all. <laughs> so you like playing it, but you don't understand the theme? I or have the, no anything. idea what the hell's going on. I don't, yeah. I don't care that much about the characters of the story or what the hell's going on, but I know that the environment is really enthralling. I like the way it plays. I wish it ran a little better on the PS4, Pro because like as as far as what I'm hearing, it's definitely like the least stable version, and that's really the only those those are really the only hiccups I have with it. Like anytime I'm playing it, I'm having like a good time. I'm interested in it. It's mysterious. It's cool, and it just feels good to just throw things. You know, it's, it's a definitely very satisfying loop. It's definitely fun to play. I wish there was more combat. That's it. That's my complaint as well. I was describing it to Sophia, who is the, my writer of SideQuest. I was saying that instead of it being, it's like a, it's a, for me, a huge valley game where it starts really strong. And then for me, there was this massive middle lull where I'm like, I don't really like this game that much. And then at the end, towards the end, it, it got better. My major complaint, Chris, and we'll, again, we'll save it for the, the specific show, but the game doesn't let you play it enough. And the funnest part of the game is playing it now i know that that sounds yeah. weird but the combat is so fun that i really wish it was yeah. a linear shooter i know you mean. with massive set pieces and none of this confusing map and backtracking and all this kind of shit to me i i don't know that it's a very strong game from my perspective mm -hmm. i think that they designed really fun combat and then trapped it inside right. the confines of this structure i enjoyed the middle the most actually i thought the beginning was kind of eh, and then the ending was kind of eh. and mm -hmm. I like the middle like I like walking around and like trying to figure shit out more than anything else and the combat's amazing it, it's one of those games that I think could really really be uplifted by something as simple as like a horde mode like if you just like just give me like a room full of mobs and like let me clear them out yeah that would be it, awesome. it genuinely is like super for like a third person game especially I feel like they're not really th like third person games in general aren't really that kinetic I feel like, I don't know, there's something about it that's, like, missing. Maybe it's, I'm used to FPSs that are a lot more, like, involved. But, yeah, that that is a satisfying combat loop, if I've ever seen it. And I just wish that I could just be thrown into an arena and just uh, be allowed to have fun with it. What you're, at, what you're asking for reminds me a great deal of Infamous First Light. Not the whole thing, but specifically there was an arena mode to it that really let the combat, what was so great about Infamous Second Son, 
they let the combat shine through. It was just combat and just enemies spawning and trying to get high scores. I agree with you. That would be really a lot of fun because as much as I loved playing it, I just felt like every every gameplay loop was like a minute, 30 seconds, 90 seconds. I'm like, man, I want I want to play this for a half an hour straight. Like I was playing Titanfall 2 recently. I finally got the platinum thanks to Chris because Chris got the bronze trophy that I was missing. So I appreciate that. And I was trying to get a few of the other trophies that I was missing. So I was playing the game again and I'm like, man, this game is frenetic as shit. Mm-hmm. It just never stops. And this and it reminded me back to back and playing with control where I was like, damn, this is kind of they kind of to me missed the mark completely because they didn't realize what was so good about the game, which was playing it. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to explore this more with you for sure in our spoiler cast because it seems like we have some disagreements there. But I, I really feel like it's a good game at best. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I didn't like it the more I played it, I want to say, until the end, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that might have to do with me going for the Platinum Trophy. I did get the Platinum Trophy in it. No, um, I didn't bother with any of that. <laughs> it's kind of... What was weird about it, too, Chris, was that in, in chasing the Platinum Trophy, there were two side quest-giving characters I just totally missed. Like, I didn't even meet them. And I was like, how is that possible? Really? Yeah, I like there was the British woman, like the, the, the shitty scientist that hates you. Did you meet her? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you met her. <laughs> Probably not. And so I'm like, she was just in a part of the map where I'm like, I don't even know how I missed this. Right. And there was this other guy that was like trapped with his friends and you had to save him. I was like, so I saw that. I there saw are that. cool components where I'm like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. It's stuff like that that I, I think I like the openness of it because you stumble upon shit and it's like, oh, it's kind of it actually feels like discovery more than it does in like a game like Destiny or something where it feels a bit more like here's an event that ha- that's on like a timer or whatever the hell, you know, I don't know. We got to get Dr. Darling on this show. I'm a big fan of his. But I I will reiterate what I said last week, Chris. If you are not a person who likes to read Intel and watch videos and listen to voice recordings and stuff and you want to have any idea what's going on in the game, don't play it because you're going to just be totally lost. I've never I don't know that I've ever seen a game that has so much to read. Yeah, it's a lot. I wanted to actually, it would take a long time, but I wanted to see the full word count of all of the stuff in Probably it. Probably huge. Because I bet you it's like a 400 page book. I'm not even being, I'm not even kidding. Like it's, yeah. it, it's huge. I have and no, I find that a little annoying. I gotta be honest. That's fair. I didn't bother with any of it. I had, I have no idea what's going on. Loved it anyway. So that's it's interesting. Very conf- it's very confusing. Didn't <laughs> Did I tweet? No, I don't think I texted you. I don't remember who I texted this to where I was like, I bet you Remedy couldn't even tell you what this game's about. I bet, like, they, I bet it, they couldn't. <laughs> and if you gave them and you said, like, you have 20 seconds to tell me, like, the elevator pitch of what this game is, I don't think they could do it. No. So that might be a problem. Maybe. But the game apparently is selling decently. And uh, Giovanni D'Amico wrote into us, or D'Amico, uh, Italian much? Uh, he wrote in and said, hey, CNC, I've noticed that many critics writing about control, including Chris on Twitter, have mentioned periodic frame drops and slowdown when the action gets hectic. Colin, I know you're not a max FPS guy, but can we all agree that inconsistent frame rates are detrimental to player experience? This has me wondering, given my huge PS4 backlog, am I better off waiting to play games with frame rate issues like Control on PS5? Don't get me wrong, if there's a price drop or I somehow burn through my backlog, I'm not going to avoid the game on principle. But when we're close to a new generation, do you think it's even worth do you think it's ever worth waiting in order to ensure the best possible experience? I've thought about doing this with other big titles that I've yet to play, like Red Dead 2 and the eventual release of Ghost of Tsushima. Hmm. I think I don't think you need to wait for PS5. I think it would be very wise to just wait for a patch. The frame. I'm not a frame rate obsessed guy, as people know. It's bad. And it's especially prominent when you come in and out of pause screens, when you come in and out of the menus or the maps, the game, the the frame rate becomes so stuttering that you can literally move and drop frames for two or three consistent seconds. Meaning you're dropping 90 frames. Yeah, it's 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 pretty huge. And it, and it is it is a benchmark 
game. Like, this is a game that's melting PCs right now. This is, like, the new... Because there's a lot of ray tracing going on. There's a lot of, like, ambient reflections and, like, crazy shit that's going on in, like, the PS... The, the um... What is it? The PC version. It's, like, a crazy huge game. So, like, it's expected that it's not going to run super well on something like the PS4 Pro. But I, I think I think I would... I, I don't know if it would be patched out, honestly. I, it's, it, it is just that kind of a game. I, I would maybe wait if, if it's that detrimental to you. I'm pretty big on frame rate. It bothers the hell out of me when it's inconsistent. But I think the quality of the gameplay by itself kind of offsets any of the negative that could come from the frame. It's really annoying. But once you're back in, it's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm back in. Whatever. You just gotta wait for it to basically get better. It's not like you said; yeah. like it's not a consistent thing. I didn't notice it. You you have a better eye for this. But even in really frantic combat, I don't know that I noticed too many frame rate drops. It was literally just me coming in and out of the game where I was like, wow, the game literally just stops running. I noticed it. it, it you have a better eye for yeah, it. So it I trust you. I don't think it would hamper your experience so much that it would make you hate the game. Mm. Is what I'm saying. So like, if you want to play it, if you're really down to play it, I would, I would, I would just get it and play it if you want. But if it's really something that you feel like is going <laughs> to, if you're like really snobby about it, maybe wait. It's confusing because the game went gold so early that you think that they would have had this kind of fixed. So mm -hmm. I'm not super confident that a patch is going to work yeah, it out. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the PS4 version, ironically, is probably the least, <laughs> the least stable one. It makes a little bit of sense. Remedy hasn't made a PlayStation game since Max Payne 2 on PS2. So maybe they can, they can use that as an excuse. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's also the... It's also technically the least powerful, powerful hardware because the One X is like a fucking machine and like obviously PCs are all over the place. And the Pro is just kind of like this weird half step of a power up. It's three know? years old now. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. You know, I used to fucking hate on the Pro so bad. People used to get so mad at me. Then I bought one. Ha <laughs> ha, you fucking assholes. All right. <laughs> uh, Chris, the other games that I've been playing, that, that's all you want to talk about today? Is I think Control? so. Yeah, I think we'll save the rest for the... We did get the we did get rain. What was it? Uh, Risk of Rain two. I haven't we, installed that yet. I, I haven't either. And we did get Knights and Bikes, whatever that game's called, which I haven't played yet either. I didn't realize Double Fine published that, which is interesting. Oh, and uh, we got a few other things. But I, I I've reached out for Man of Medan or however you want to say it. I reached out for Borderlands three. I reached out for Final Fantasy eight. So we're waiting on those as well. And uh, the other games that I'm playing, Tales of Hearts are still kind of cruising through that. Not much to say about it right now. Titanfall 2, I did platinum, as I said. Now, Chris, when I platinum control, I think it was on Friday or Saturday night. I think it was Saturday night. Got a little smirk on my face. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to go pop this Titanfall 2 platinum as quickly as I can. So I went into multiplayer. I realized by reading about it that I can actually make a private multiplayer map and do capture the flag, wait, and I win and I get the trophy. So I did that. And then I had to go get the one for killing 30 enemies in two seconds, which I did on the last stage of the game and uh, popped it within 45 minutes. So two platinum trophies in 45 minutes, which I was pretty excited about. That's insane. And uh, the other game I'm playing right now is The Last of Us. Now I'm playing this. This is the first time I played The Last of Us in six years since it, I actually don't think I played the single player campaign since before it came out. So it's actually been six years and change, which is pretty incredible. And I'm really enjoying it. But I did reach a glitch where it wasn't counting any of my collectibles. So I restarted the game. Because I'm not going to go through the entire thing and not, and not do that. I, can't, I couldn't. And by the way, I put, I'm playing it on PS3, like I said. And, oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, but we have a letter here from De Devin Milligan 
Irish much. It said, hey, CNC, I have a confession. I have never played The Last of Us. I watched my brother play for about an hour and I was super into the story and wanted to play. The gameplay did not look great. You're wrong, of course, Devin. But I am always a story first gamer. Some of my favorites were Horizon, Red Dead Redemption 2, God of War and Spider-Man. Those all had the added bonus of having great gameplay mechanics. I have had a copy of The Last of Us on my shelf for over two years now. I recently put it in, but still did not play. Why do I have this mental block about not wanting to play, but also knowing I would love it? Is the gameplay actually good? And am I just perceived it to be bad from videos I've seen? Am I wrong in the head? <laughs> am I wrong in the head? I don't want to. I don't want to give you a diagnosis. Yeah, we're not without medical professionals you. here. First, I need to see. I'm, I'm happy to give you a diagnosis, but I need to study you a little bit more first. I'm not a doctor or a medical professional, but I'll do it anyway. What do I care? For money. I'll do it for money. Yeah. <laughs> do almost anything for money. So here's the thing. I know Chris isn't crazy about The Last of Us either. And. Playing it again, I don't really get why you wouldn't be right. This is yeah. I, I well, I don't want to say the royal you. I understand why Chris doesn't really like it because it's not that kinetic gameplay that he likes. It's not, but it's so good. It really is amazingly realized. Like only playing like, the first couple hours was like holy. It's shit, It's a very man. realistic feeling game. It's unbelievable. Like, the weight behind the punches feels right. Uh, moving around doesn't feel floaty. But it also doesn't feel so heavy that you feel like you're glued to the ground. It does feel good to play. Uh, I just feel like the loop isn't that great. Like the stealth and like, yeah, oh, you pick up a bottle, pick up a break, and that's about it. And there's like a couple ways that you could go, but there's not really that much choice in how you approach a lot of things, it feels like. But I would say the narrative really holds it together, I think. It's, it's definitely worth playing through, I, I would say. Especially if you're like a story first person. Like, absolutely, play it. Yeah, it is probably out of the games he mentioned, to be fair to him, Chris. He says Red Dead, God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon. It probably is the least playable of those five games or four games. I think it probably plays better than Red Dead. Mm, oh, yeah, maybe Red. That's true. Maybe Red Dead. But Red Dead is like, you know, a sim. Yes. You know? It's like half of a sim game. So it's like it's it's weird to compare it. All those games are open world, too. Yeah. Which is interesting. And, and, and The Last of Us isn't. Now, to your point, I hope that with you know, Last of Us Part 2 and Neil Druckmann kind of, and the guys kind of taking their time on it. I really do hope we see more of what you're saying. Like, they really did position the game originally as like, you can do this and you don't even have to kill people in certain situations. And that's true. Specifically, there's like a train station you get to when you can go through all the clickers without killing any of them. I like that stuff. Yeah. What I would love, love in The Last of Us Part 2 is if you can not kill anyone. Yeah. I would fucking love I that. Want that would more... be a, a marquee design choice. Yeah. For me. No, I would agree. I, th I think, I, I would just like, I want more more of a branching path, you know, like I would like to not necessarily that would alter the story or anything, but I want to be able to approach. I want to be able to replay that game and feel like I could get something out of replaying it as opposed to just like experiencing the narrative again. And with the last of us, with the first one, I just feel like I don't I feel like if I play it again, I'm just going to get the narrative again. And I don't feel like I'm going to get any gameplay experience that I haven't already been through the first time around, which I think is the the weakest part of it. There must be a way if if you don't want to necessarily play the game to just watch like a movie version. Yeah, you can it. watch it. It's a very watchable game too. Yeah, someone on YouTube must have reduced. But it. I would say just play it. If you if you're if you're a story focused person, this is probably the one that you should you should have played ages ago. You know, this is probably one of the best ones. Yeah, I think it's one of the as great far as, a, as far as a story goes. Easily one of the great stories in video games. Yeah. In my from my perspective, yeah. but my brother and I will be doing a full episode on Knockback. In the coming months, so you guys can look forward to that. That's why I'm playing it again. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I actually almost formatted my PS3, and then I got really sad about it. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Because there's, like, all of these games. I've downloaded all these games, all my saves, and they're all dated and stuff. And I'm like, it's yeah. kind of a little bit of a relic. 
in, uh, of times past, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. Critter Crunch. I remember you. <laughs> oh, Trine. Okay, there you are. Ooh, Trine. All right. Well, and Trine 4, I think, is about to come out. That series is still going. I can't. I don't know. I don't know cheap. who's playing Trine. It's probably cheap to make. It's weird. It's a weird game. I don't know if they're still the same, but it was like a side scroller, like you had to switch characters yeah. and like you, different physics involved with different each character. Yeah, I didn't. I really, actually kind of liked it, yeah. but I didn't really bother playing through the rest of it. I think I played it for trophies, if I remember correctly. Yeah, of course, that was a long time ago. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Chris, let's get into the news. There's quite a few things to get through. All righty. Now, the document, our planning document is extra long this week, but it's actually because of all of the games coming out. And I will say there's some doozies on that list, but we're going to save it. I just wanted to plant that seed in Chris's head. He's rubbing his brow right now very anxiously. That's awesome. Chris, number one, publisher Capcom is teasing a new Resident Evil game, though it's unclear what the nature of it is, what its full title will be, or when it will be revealed or released. For now, though, Capcom has launched a teaser website at project-resistance.com. You guys can go check that out. Outlining the RE in the word resistance, all but confirming the Resident Evil related project. When you go to the website, all it says is that, quote, Capcom is embarking on a new project. Watch the teaser trailer on September 9th, end quote. Interestingly, after it's revealed, the game will be shown at Capcom's TGS 2019 booth. That's Tokyo Game Show. And there will be a four day stage show at TGS for the game, too. It will be fully playable to those who go to the show so long as they sign up in advance. There are a lot of theories as to what this will be, but there are really only two answers. This is either Resident Evil 8 or it's a remake of another Resident Evil game in the vein of Resident Evil 2, which came out earlier this year. It's been nearly three years since Resident Evil 7 came to PS4 and PSVR, so it does seem about time to announce something new from the core run of games. Now, Chris, there has been leaks since I wrote that, actually, indicating that it might be a third option, which I never even considered, which is an Outbreak game. And Hmm. if that's the case, I think people are going to be really upset because (laughs) Resident Evil has been on this great trajectory since they re-released Remake in like 2015 on PS4 and then obviously Resident Evil 7 and then Resident Evil 2 Remake. They're doing really good things. And uh, I don't know that Outbreak, an arcade game, is really like a zombie game, is really what people. Well, Resident Evil is a zombie game. But you guys know what I mean, an arcade yeah, yeah, yeah. zombie shooter. I don't know that that's what people want. What do you hope it is? I mean, I hope it's an, it's a new Resident Evil. I hope it's a, I hope it's eight. This is the biggest hope for me. That'd be great. Because like it's, it's, it's definitely not like the, another remake. Because I know that's definitely going to happen, but it seems a bit soon to do that or to really tease anything like that. But they're on such a good trajectory, man. That makes me excited. I was—I used to not really care that much about it. <laughs> Resident Evil is used to be like, ah, I guess, I guess this is fine. But like, man, two is so good, and uh, and seven is also great. I still haven't played it, dude. You got to play seven. I, I think you would especially like it because it's first person. Yeah, I'll play it. I've, I just got to get around to it. It's so much shit. Put on that PSVR headset. I, I got oh, you, God, and, pl- and play in VR. I can't play that game in VR. I bought you that headset. You better use it. I need a camera. You better use. Oh, yeah. I never bought you a camera. <laughs> I need that stupid fucking camera Jesus, that I never once thought December. to buy. God, it's been almost a year. Now I have to buy you something else. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I bought the move controllers and they're still in the box. You're, you're the worst. PSVR is going to be discontinued by the time you get to, around. To it. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess there are three viable options and there are some leaks that indicate that this could be outbreak. I guess you're right that teasing another remake would be dangerous just because they probably couldn't have known 
that Resident Evil 2 remake was going to be so well received. Although maybe they did know. It still it seems be... a bit soon to do it. Yeah, it's, it, it's been a, a handful of months. That's know? true. That's true. So. And obviously, it's basically remaking the game is just like making a new game, basically. So it's going to take them time, uh, several years to do that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I hope it's Resident Evil 8. I'm not hopeful after some of the leaks that I was reading. Although, as usual, I don't know if those leaks are real or not. Similar to yeah. the uh, PS5 dev kits that I don't believe are real. Number two, Sony has revealed September 2019's free PlayStation Plus games. And you should be able to download them free of charge by the time you hear this podcast, so long as you have an active PS Plus account. The two games in question are 2015's Batman Arkham Knight, developed by Rocksteady Studios and published by WB, and 2018's Darksiders 3, developed by Gunfire Games and published by THQ Nordic. You'll remember, of course, that Gunfire Games was recently purchased by THQ Nordic. Remember to add these games to your download list, even if you don't intend on playing them, as you can access them later so long as your account remains active. Also remember that Sony no longer gives PS3 and Vita games out for free, so these two games are all you get for the month. Michael Minadakis wrote in and said, Greetings from Greece, C-squared. September will have an amazing PS Plus lineup, one of the better ones in a long time. Perfect timing with the 10th anniversary of Arkham Asylum and a sale of Ar a Return to Arkham, which I coincidentally bought before the announcement, LOL. Also with Darksiders 3, a AAA game that seems like it was released yesterday, great value overall. Do you think this is a one-off month or a sign of some greater things to come with the post-Vita and PS3 era of PS Plus. I must say that this is a pretty strong showing of games. Yeah. The Arkham Knight, you know, obviously Arkham Asylum's 10, 10 year anniversary is this month, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. And so that makes a lot of sense. You want to tease that. You want to get the Arkham games that they're, they were released selling. Darksiders 3 is a little more puzzling to me because it's new. But do you think this is a sign of things to come, Chris? No. <laughs> I think this is a one-off month. <laughs> I think it's just like, oh, whoa. The stars happen to align and uh, next month we're going to get uh, Cookie Clicker 4 or whatever the hell. <laughs> I can't wait to play Cookie Clicker 4 for free. Yeah. It's going to be great. I don't know, man. Because I wouldn't pay for it otherwise. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good showing of games, though. It's I, great. I've, uh, I've been curious about Darksiders. It's always been a game that I feel like looks entirely fine, but I've just never been bothered. I never bothered to play it. I might, I might play it now. Yeah, nice and free for you there. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it's... I agree with Chris. I don't know necessarily, Michael, that it's a sign of things to come, but... Hopefully, I mean, I'd be great if it was. I, I would love to have it be a sign of things to come, but I'm not incredibly hopeful about that. No. I really feel like they need to do more to get more games in this. PS3 and Vita games disappearing is fine, but what about a... I don't understand why there's not a PSVR game every month. Like, I, I don't really get why that does... At the very least, give us a, P, a third game, a PSVR game. Why wouldn't you do that? It's so weird, especially because those games are definitely not selling. So you want to give something to people... That have the headset. Yeah, but then you would have to pay the developer to, you know, you'd have to circumvent the loss of those sales to those developers. And they, maybe they don't think it's worth the money. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, these, I mean, from what I've heard, these sale numbers, big games can get several million dollars. Some games get several hundred thousand dollars as far as I understand. So I don't know what the equation would be, but it's, it's I would assume for PSVR devs, it's free money. Because I don't think that these games are selling. I, I, and I hate to say that as someone who has a PSVR, I want these games to sell. But I bet you some of these games, like even the big ones, like the Rick and Morty game and and uh, Vacation Simulator and stuff, I bet you they sell 25000 50000 at most, something like that. It's not a lot. So I really would like to see them do a little bit more in that regard. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Number three. 
Two more classic 16-bit platformers are about to reemerge, and better yet, they're wielding their expensive IP with permission and pride. A compilation called Disney Classic Games Aladdin and the Lion King is coming to PlayStation 4 and elsewhere this fall for $29.99. There are multiple interesting components of this collection, including the fact that it compiles multiple versions of each game from different developers and publishers. While specifics are unclear, it appears that the following games will be included. The 1994 Lion King game from SNES and Genesis, the Genesis version of Aladdin from 1993, the NES and Game Boy Aladdin games also from 1993, and the 1995 NES and Game Boy ports of The Lion King. You'll notice that the SNES Aladdin is conspicuously missing. That, of course, is because Capcom both developed and published that game and was unlikely to relinquish rights to the developer Digital Eclipse, who I think did the Mega Man Legacy Collection, and publisher Nighthawk Interactive. So this is a big deal because people actually really love these games. And, yeah. and a lot of people claim, especially the Genesis versions of Lion King and Aladdin, are some of the best 2D 16-bit platformers ever. So they've been trapped behind this IP wall for a long time, and now they're finally emerging. That's kind of cool. Very weird. It's specifically weird that the Capcom game couldn't have just been acquired by Disney, which I find a little puzzling. Well, maybe Disney just doesn't really care them. <laughs> yeah, they're probably they probably just don't want to change, you know, change up the monies. Uh, but when I was watching the trailer, it's a little I couldn't find any specifics. Maybe someone can point me in the right direction. I had to watch the trailer to try to figure out what games were included because they're they don't really say anywhere like no. what what games are included. It's, what, is it just like the Lion King and Aladdin? Is that it? Yeah. And yeah. then there are multiple, it's kind of like Castlevania's collection where they're like, oh, here's a Game Boy version, here's an NES version, and, and I think some of these are ports, and I, I, so I'm I'm a little uncertain what's what. I think they have to be a little more clear about that, but $29.99 is a pretty good deal, I yeah. would say, for those. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to pick that up, and I know Switch fans are especially uh, excited about that because they're a bunch of fucking dorks. <laughs> Number four, Supermassive Games, the Dark Picture Anthology got off to an apparently apparent thud with Man of Medan. I don't know if you saw that. Not apparently very good. If the general critical consensus is any indication. But that won't stop the Until Dawn developer from releasing the next game in its horror-themed run of games, as the dev has revealed, alongside publisher Bandai Namco, a game called Little Hope, which is essentially episode two of their planned run of games. While there was no specific release date given, you can expect to play it on PlayStation 4 and elsewhere if you'd like in 2020. Jeremy Miller wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, with the release of Man of Medan, again, I have no idea, Man of Medan, I don't know. I was wondering if there were any other series you would like to see take a similar approach with smaller bite-sized stories and a faster release. My answer would be Ratchet and Clank, as they could release a small game with around five or so worlds and charge $20. Think Into the Nexus, but with more diverse worlds and actually being good. <laughs> into the Nexus wasn't very good. Keep up the great work. So... Have you seen any of the reviews or coverage of this game? Man, no, I haven't. Apparently I've specifically not, been avoiding it. Because apparently just, not very good. That sucks. Which is, yeah, surprising to me. Very surprising. And I don't know if I believe it either. So I'm going to play it for myself. I'm waiting for codes from them. It is. We are recording this on Labor Day, by the way. Yeah. And that's a day off for everyone except for us because we're not fucking lazy. <laughs> like the rest of you people out there. Yeah. But Chris, are there any other games that you would like to see take this approach? I actually really like this approach because it seems like a step above what Telltale did with their episodic releases but a step below of releasing like a full game. So it does seem to be in that mid tier and Ratchet and Clank is actually a good example. But I would say, Jeremy, that that they did do that with Ratchet and Clank. There was a Ratchet and Clank every year that no, there are Ratchet and Clank games no one's ever heard of. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. That they from 2009, from after a, a crack in time until into the Nexus, which was the last one, I think, that they released before the PS4 one. There are all sorts of Ratchet and Clank games in there, including not only the collection, but there's like a fucking tower defense ratchet and clank game and yeah so i don't know that i would want that i don't know if this style of release 
really serves gameplay focused games all that well. I think they serve narrative experiences better than they serve game because like let's say you get let's say I don't know something like Ratchet and Clank or, or I don't know Burnout or something that's very like gameplay focused, right? They release uh, just a short thing, maybe like in a in a game like Burnout it's maybe like three tracks or whatever, right? And you just play this weird Burnout for like three tracks. What's compelling you to get the next one in a few months? If you could just get the gameplay experience from that, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like it is more of a narrative thing and it works a lot better for stuff like dark pictures and stuff like telltale and stuff that's very narrative driven than it does for anything that's more like I couldn't see like control or anything like that being like this, you know? No, me neither. Me neither. I, I'm interested in what they're doing at Supermassive, but it does suggest if the game isn't good that. And they really made the same kind of game as Until Dawn, that Sony's presence as producer was more important to that game's success than maybe we gave it credit for. And so we'll have to see, because uh, I don't understand how you make Until Dawn, which is a fantastic game, one of PS4's very best exclusives. And then you take three years and make this. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's not very good. I just don't. So I really want to play it for myself, because I'm not so sure that I believe that it's as bad as people are saying it is. But maybe I don't it know is. if I believe it. Like, I've seen some clips of it, and it, it looks just like Until Dawn to me. It doesn't look... Particularly, like, I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe, maybe there's like a PS. I feel like there's a PlayStation bump here going on. I feel like it's like this is on PlayStation, therefore it's inherently better. I genuinely like. I don't know. Possibly. It feels weird because it anything. I remember seeing Until Dawn. I was like, this looks terrible. <laughs> but it's it, not. But it's, it's not. not I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's just like super campy and weird. Oh yeah, it's definitely campy. But like, I feel like now that it's kind of multiplat, or like maybe because it's part of an anthology and it's like weird. Maybe there's like a little bit more negativity towards it just because of that. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. The fanboy stuff does seep in and all this stuff as we've talked about. But it looks fine to me. Well, we'll play and we'll we'll report back as soon as we can. Yeah. Number five, Telltale Games is apparently making a comeback. As you'll recall, the once prominent adventure game developer went belly up just about a year ago to the month, causing games like a promising Stranger Things adventure game to be canceled. Skybound, the company that owns the Walking Dead IP, eventually came in to snag and save the game's final once aborted season. But everything else was left to the wind as layoffs gutted the company. But now it appears that an investment group is reviving Telltale and has even acquired IP rights to sell Telltale's delisted The Wolf Among Us and Batman games with a small upstart team trying to work out the rights to other games like Borderlands, Minecraft and Guardians of the Galaxy. It's important to note, however, that with Skybound having reclaimed The Walking Dead game, that'll never be coming back to the Telltale, meaning that it'll move forward without its single biggest cash generating IP. The company taking Telltale out of the grave is called LCG Entertainment, and interestingly, they've apparently already begun to hire ex-Telltale employees, though mostly on a freelance basis. Whether this endeavor will actually work out or not, of course, remains to be seen. CL Squared wrote in and said, hello, fellas. News broke about a company LCG buying Telltale Games and reviving it with none of the original employees other than freelance positions they will offer to former employees. Do you think hanging on to the Telltale name will will be beneficial? I personally think they should just have let the company go. What do you think, Chris? It's I don't feel good about this. You know, you you're supposed to feel good when a company that like if if pandemic was resurrected, I would have been screaming. I would have been so happy. But like I'm not feeling this here. This feels weird. This feels like like your cousin died and like a clown wore his clothes and like bursted into your apartment the next day like, "Well, look, I'm st- I'm your cousin, man." It just feels really weird. I don't know. I don't think this is the the feeling that they were hoping to evoke. (laughs) So apparently, as far as I understand, and just reading around, there are apparently ex-Telltale employees that are in on this that won't even admit it, basically, because they're so kind of caught in a catch-22 on whether this is a good thing or not, and they don't want grief from people. 
I think it's pretty interesting to come in and, and at least have a holding company revive Telltale's name so they can sell their old games. Even if you don't make anything new, it's probably a pretty wise investment to just say like, well, we have these other games hanging out that have no digital distribution. We might as well figure out a way to sell them again. Yeah, for so sure. So if that was the beginning and the end, I don't know that I'd have so, so, such a problem with it, but I don't really understand keeping the name because I honestly don't even think that that name means that much. I don't think that they make ex exceptionally great games. I don't think you want to tie yourself to that technology. So, yeah, I'm a little puzzled by it. I have no problem with someone coming in and trying to make, you know, make hay, but... No, but it, it just feels weird. There's something about it that feels off. Yeah, know? I agree. I agree. And a lot of people just don't seem pleased about it. But, you know, it's the gaming industry where no one's pleased about anything. That's true. Number six, a new Shovel Knight game has been announced, and it's not Shovel Knight 2, sadly. Instead, Yacht Club Games has revealed Shovel Knight Dig, a game being developed externally from Yacht Club Games by a team called Nitrome, a British team with only a single game created, 2018's Bomb Chicken, a 2D platformer <laughs> launched on PS4 and elsewhere. The game revolves around protagonist Shovel Knight and the dastardly Drill Knight, who steals all of his stuff and drills deep into the ground, with Shovel Knight giving chase. The game looks great and seems to be an interstitial game while we wait patiently for the final Shovel Knight DLC, King of Cards, to launch around the year end, the year's end with hopefully news of a proper sequel not too far behind. So I'm super excited about this. This game looks great. I don't know if you saw the trailer for it. It looks fucking cool as hell. Yeah. And there's some really cool new night designs in there and the gameplay looks solid. And I'm not so concerned about it being developed externally. I still have no idea what they're doing at Yacht Club Games. As Shovel Knight came out now. God, the Shovel Knight came out like six years ago or something, five years ago. Feels like it, yeah. What the fuck you guys are doing over there? No offense. But nonetheless, I'm looking forward to to this game very much. Yeah. No, Shovel Knight's great. Number seven. Capcom is continuing to up the ante in its age of resurgence, this time with yet another Mega, Mega Man retro collection. This time it's Mega Man Zero and ZX that are up for the re-release treatment in the aptly named Mega Man Zero slash ZX Legacy Collection. The collection will come to PlayStation 4 on January 21st, early next year, and will include six games. Mega Man Zero, Mega Man Zero 2, Mega Man Zero 3, Mega Man Zero 4, Mega Man ZX, and Mega Man ZX Advent. The four Mega Man Zero games were launched on Game Boy Advance in 2002, 2003, 2004, and 2005, respectively, and were developed by Innicreate, the amazing Japanese studio that later went on to create Mega Man 9 and 10, Bloodstained's 8-bit companion game, and of course their Azure Striker series. Mega Man ZX and Mega Man ZX Advent were Nintendo DS games launched in 2006 and 2007, respectively, also by Innicreate. The games are best described as side-scrolling action RPGs with a Metroidvania twist and developed a cult following in the early aughts. It's unclear what the price of the collection will be and what other perks will be contained within, though it would be nice to get six platinum trophies. That would be a dream. <laughs> Jack Finning or Finning wrote it and said, hey, CNC in the uh, hey, CNC in the morning. I don't like that. No. Capcom keeps showing love for the classic Mega Man games with the recent announcement of the Mega Man Zero slash ZX Legacy Collection. This makes sense with the success of the Mega Man and Mega Man X collections, but I was still pleasantly surprised to see a collection of this more niche set of titles coming to fruition. How likely do you think it would be to see collections of even more obscure series such as Battle Network or Star Force in the near future? So, Jack, I would actually describe Battle Network as not as niche yeah. as this, and I was surprised that they didn't go there first. I think Battle Network's better than these games, so mm -hmm. I would have liked to see those games uh, first. And yeah. for people that don't know, that was kind of a card-battling, single-player role-playing game on GBA. Yeah, and I remember games. playing those. Like, I remember uh, my friend Justin was, like, huge on Battle Network. He's like, you gotta play Mega Man Battle Network. And I was like, no. You gotta jack in. That's what they do in the game, jack yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> we spent a lot of time laughing at that because yeah. we were fucking children. And you were busy jacking in. So, I'm, people were asking me a lot about this, obviously, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I never really had an affinity for these games. I don't care about Zero. And that character and I wasn't an Indie Creates fan at the time so it would be fun to, I haven't played them all I think I played Mega Man Zero and then Mega Man I played Mega Man ZX in Advent but I'll play it I'll certainly buy it and we'll see what happens but 
not something I'm super excited about. Number eight, it should come as no surprise that yet another Yakuza game is en route. I feel like we talk about Yakuza every fucking yeah. week. Yeah, <laughs> there's always something. <laughs> Holy shit. What should be surprising, however, is the style of game it is. Publisher Sega has officially revealed Yakuza 7, but what's interesting about it, according to reports, is that it'll no longer be largely a beat-em-up, which has been somewhat standard since the franchise began on PlayStation 2 in 2005. The game's full title is Yakuza 7, Whereabouts of the Light and Darkness, and it's a turn-based JRPG, a first for the mainline series. While the game is set for launch somewhat imminently in Japan, coming out in January of 2020, Western gamers will have to wait until later in 2020 to get their hands on it. In the meantime, it seems that the fan base is pretty upset about the alterations, though we'll see how good or bad the changes are when the game comes out. Adam O wrote into us, and by the way, Adam, I love you, I appreciate you. I had to rewrite your comment so much because it was barely literate. <laughs> so I want everyone to remember out there, gotta write coherent English. Yeah. Because I don't speak these other languages. No. Like broken English, I don't speak that. I don't speak broken English, I don't speak French. He has no tolerance for anything. But I like this question, so I rewrote it for you, Adam. He said, hail the great two Caesars. As you may have seen, Yakuza 7 will completely change from an open-world action brawler to a more uh, full-on JRPG. Colin, will you now play it after you say no? And after you say no, fucking nerd, my real question is, had a game in a series ever changed so much that it switched genres? While I like when games evolve, I still can't think of many games changing so much that they're completely different types. I mean, two obvious answers for me are Fallout and Grand Theft Auto, both of which radically changed yeah. with their third iterations for each series. Yeah. You know, Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2 and London and all those games were top-down. They were somewhat open-world, but they were top-down action games, arcade games. Yeah. And the Fallout games were CRPGs. I mean, they were really hardcore computer role-playing Yeah, they games. were isometric, too. Right. They are nothing like Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 in New Vegas. So those are the two series that came to mind immediately for me. Yeah. At least for, like, main numbers, for sure. There's always, like, spin-offs. Right. You know. Metal Gear is another example of a game that radically changed. But they did change it by making it Metal Gear Solid instead of Metal Gear. So... Yeah. That changed. I'm trying to think. Mega Man's changed, but they did re renumber and re rename those. But yeah, Grand Theft Auto and and, uh, and well, Grand Theft Auto specifically, I think, changed a lot. But Fallout changed a lot too. Yeah. So there you go. And I actually would argue they changed a lot more than Yakuza Seven is going to cha be changed. So keep an open mind out there, everyone. Number nine. Publisher 2K and developer Gearbox Software have very wisely begun to outline and the end game and post game content that will be packed into Borderlands 3, an essential component of a game like this in the modern era where people stick around playing the same game for eons and there are many like minded games to steal potential customers away. On the official Borderlands website, the team goes deep into what's what. For starters, once the game is defeated, you'll unlock what's referred to as Guardian Rank. The Guardian Rank is tracked separately from EXP and gives class-specific bonuses the higher you get, giving you reasons to keep grinding even after the campaign is completed. The system is fairly deep with its own tiering system and class-specific skill trees above and beyond the main game. There's also a new difficulty to play through called True Vault Hunter Mode, which, is, which the team admits is simply their new take on New Game Plus. In that mode, the game becomes harder, but the loot becomes better, so there's a trade-off. Meanwhile, there's also a post-game mayhem mode that allows players to further customize enhanced enemy difficulty in exchange for better rewards. And finally, Gearbox has promised two free content updates through the fall and winter of this year, including new activities and content maps and enemies, culminating with the first full DLC pack that will have proper campaign add-ons. What do you think? I like it. It sounds good to me. Very wise. Yeah. Very, very wise indeed. I'm looking forward to playing Borderlands 3. Yeah, me too. I think it's in the wild. I think people have it. We don't have it yet, but I'm really looking forward to, to trying it out and seeing it for myself. I think they're a little late on it, but I think it's still gonna, it's still going to be a big game. Very big. Yeah. Number 10. If you're looking forward to some big meaty Sony announcements and reveals at Tokyo Game Show 2019, well, don't. 
This year's TGS runs from September 12th through September 15th. And while Sony is planning on having a big presence at the show, it won't have much to actually reveal nor opportunities to even do so. According to website Polygon, Sony won't even have a press conference at TGS, which isn't a huge surprise. Surprise. As PlayStation also skipped out on having big pressers at both E3 and Gamescom earlier this year. However, website Push Square relays word that there will be some sort of live stream component to PlayStation's presence under the name PlayStation Presents Live Show TGS 2019. So expect to see, so expect to perhaps see some smaller games and announcements from outside of the first party at that time. Just put it in enough, wrote into us. I don't know what that means. And I don't want to know. Says, hey guys, Sony announced today that they will not have a TGS conference this year. Is that surprising to you? They don't usually reveal new first party games at TGS anyway, but are there not third party Japanese PS4 games that are always uh, worth showing or revealing? Usually in past TGS, I could always think count on a new Neptunia, Danganronpa, or other quirky Japanese game. Do you think this could be a sign that Japanese devs are jumping ship to Switch, or perhaps because of Sony's recent censorship crackdown that I've alienated the Japanese dev community? No, I don't think it's any of that. I think they just don't have anything to say right now. Yeah. Quiet is good, guys. It's weird, though, like what they choose to do. Like the fact that they didn't show up to E3, but they showed up to Gamescom, and now they're not showing up to TGS. It's just like a weird thing. They're picking the weird things to go to, it feels like. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really get it. Yeah, I don't know. I would say TGS would be the place that you would go. Sure, but this is now kind of bringing up questions in people if, if they were even going to get that predicted PSX at the end of the year, which is where I think they will reveal the console. And I think it's a reasonable question to ask that now. And yeah, it is strange. Tokyo is their home territory. Mm-hmm. And I've been at TGS twice and they've had a big presence there both times uh, that I was there. Really big presence. Uh, TGS is actually really shrinking and kind of sad, like kind of getting sad as far as I understand. And even that I saw, I went in 2000, when did I go? 2012 and then 2014. And it was even different then. I can't imagine what it's like now. So yeah, it's a little weird, but I think Sony being quiet, I, I'm excited about this, Sony. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I think this is good. I don't, I don't mind it at all. But like, just don't go to Gamescom either. Like, what? It just feels weird. I guess they're trying <laughs> just to just confusing. be on the show floor, and I don't know. It is a little confusing. I agree, and I do agree with what he's saying here. Where, just put it in enough. Said that, you know, well, where are they? What are they doing? And I think you have to keep your brand in people's minds, even if you have nothing to reveal, because it's still exciting for people to go to a Sony booth and play a game that's not out yet. You can show Final Fantasy VII at your booth. You can show a Concrete Genie or whatever these games, you know, yeah. Medieval. There's something to show. So, I don't know. It is very confusing. I'm just glad I don't have to go to TGS anymore. Because that you want to talk about fucking Nightmare Central. <laughs> really? It's not as bad as Gamescom because Gamescom is like a half a million people. But, and Gamescom, like all your appointments are happening during Gamescom. The beauty of TGS is that there's a media only uh, like two or three days where there's no one there. But the show floor is still there and stuff. And it's actually kind of cool. And then you bounce. And then everyone goes to TGS afterwards. Right. I don't know if they do that anymore, but that's the way it was when I was there. Number 11, PlayStation Vita has received yet another new firmware update. And if you try to connect the PSN to buy games or sync your trophies with your handheld, you'll be forced to download it. The firmware update is titled version 3.72 and has almost certainly been designed solely with the intent of combating the increasing Vita hack arms race that's been happening this year. Hackers have fairly reliably cracked Vita open at this point, so similarly to PSP back in the day, you'll need to choose how you want to use your device. If you want to use it to play real games, get on PSN, etc., you'll have to you can't have a hack device. If you're willing to sacrifice your device only to play hacked games, however, then you can reasonably avoid this and other firmware updates. These are happening more and more often now. Sony yeah. is definitely We just talked about this. Right. They're actually they're actually fighting with these guys again, which is interesting because there was a little bit of a lull where they cracked it and then Sony firm patched it and then there was nothing. And now these guys apparently do have a reliable way to crack this thing wide open. So 
you know, I don't want to use my Vita that way, but I understand people do. Yeah. It's way more complicated than using your PSP that way from what I've been reading. For sure. Because uh, I was even able to use my PSP as a hack device and I'm a fucking idiot. You know, so like, <laughs> I, I don't know how I would be able to get the Vita to work. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Finally, Chris, it's a wrap up. Number 12, the PlayStation blog revealed that rhythm shooter Audika, I think that's how you say it, Audisha, from rock band developer Harmonix is coming to PSVR at some point this fall. Website Silicon Arrow reports that 3D action game Dusk Diver is coming to PlayStation 4 on October 25th. Website Gamatsu reports that classic Xbox 360 arcade game Castle Crashers is coming to PS4 in just a little while. Hell yeah. It's coming to Switch on September 17th, and developer The Behemoth noted that it'll come to PlayStation 4, quote, shortly after. So we can look forward to that soon. That's awesome. The website also revealed that 2D puzzle platformers La Mulana 1 and 2 are being bundled together for launch on PS4 in early 2020, and that the delayed MMORPG Caravan Stories is finally coming to PS4 later than expected, launching on September 10th. Website Push Square reports that trippy space game Astroneer is coming to PS4 in November, that hectic co-op game Moving Out is coming to PS4 at some time in 2020, that Warriors Orochi 4 Ultimate has been inadvertently leaked and is coming to PS4 at some point in the near future, and that publisher Nam- Namco Bandai has quietly announced a brand new Ice Age game, a 3D platformer called Scrat's Nutty Adventure. That I, was baffling. I saw the trailer the, for that and I was The trailer like, looks good. It looks fine. I mean, it looks like Spyro or something like that. Yeah, but it's also just like, what? Yeah, I was a little confused. When was the last that? Ice Age movie? In like the 2000s, maybe? Yeah. A little weird. But I, I, I looked at the trailer and I was like, this looks just like Spyro. <laughs> like the Spyro re-release. It looks like an old school kind of collect-a-thon. I'm it doesn't look it. bad, but you got to wonder how how valuable Ice Age is as an IP. I'm going to play it. I don't care. <laughs> you want another Platinum? I just, I don't know. I really liked that. I like that Spyro trilogy. If you're going to so play that, if you're going to play it, you have to Platinum it. You can't not Platinum it. Let's put it that way. Chris, it's time for the new game releases. As uh, tradition dictates, you will go first. And there are a lot of games. Yeah. This Apocalypsis. Uh, the tree of <laughs> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil comes to PS4. In Apocalypsis, you play as Harry, for whom the loss of his beloved was the end of his world. Now he has to venture out into the strange, unwelcoming, and haunted lands to get her back. On his journey, he will meet fantastical creatures straight from the visions of 15th and 16th Artists? As, I think they mean century, but that's yeah, a but that's I, a copy and paste. Yeah, I was expecting century. Sixteenth century artists such as Hans Holbein and Albrecht Durer. I don't know what the f- Durer. Durer. It's it's the U with the dots on top of it. I still don't really the, think ubl- that's a real the Ublaut. Uh, Ublaut. That's what it's called, right? I think Very so. Nice. Umlaut or something. Umlaut. Who cares? It's German. <laughs> <laughs> When we beat the Nazis in World War II, we should have made ger- speaking German completely illegal. <laughs> or right? impossible. Like you, can never, you can never speak German again. 
So uh, there's already a typo in the very first one. Thank you, PlayStation blog. As Divine Menace comes to PS4 and Vita, travel the galaxy to bring the truth full circle in an epic fantasy RPG. Experience immersive turn-based battles with cooperative attacks and new limit break skills. I don't think you can say limit break. Pretty sure that's Final Fantasy. With all quests collecting and crafting, the battle arena, and even post-game content. As Divine Menace comes packed with enough elements to satisfy J-Heart RPG hungry gamers. I feel like that's the 17th As Divine game that's come out in the last month. What the hell? Blindfold of Verit Verti of Verite. Verite? Yeah, those are accent goos. <sighs> Blindfold of Verite VR experience <laughs> comes to PSVR. Blindfold places you in the perspective of a photojournalist enduring a harsh interrogation in Iran's infamous evil. Evan Prison? I wish it was Evil Prison. That would be awesome if the <laughs> Iran had a prison yeah. they called the Evil Prison. <laughs> Drawing from real life accounts and historical fact. A blindfold uh, presents a powerful verite experience that explores the unique storytelling possibilities of VR. All right. Catherine Full Body comes to PS4. The captivating tale returns in Catherine Full Body, bigger and better than before. Improved visuals and gameplay, brand new music, enhanced multiplayer options, and much more await in this enticing new package. Will our indecisive protagonist survive the trials and tribulations of love or fall to temptations? So I haven't played Full Body yet. But the original Catherine on PS3 is a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And I can't imagine that this is anything but that. Uh, did you play Catherine? A little bit. Now, Very briefly. I, I wasn't crazy about the Qbert gameplay, like the, the yeah, whole gameplay. That was loop. the one that was that. That's the stuff that I played that was like, eh. But the story is really cool. For people that don't know, it's about a guy that's basically cheating on his girlfriend. Or so you think. And how he's handling it. And it's his girlfriend's name is Catherine with a K. And the girl he's cheating on her is with Catherine with a C. And that's basically what the game's about. And it's really, there's nothing like it. Uh, I've never played a game like it. So highly I recommend give, it. I might give it a shot. 50, 50 <laughs> Words by Paugi uh, comes to PS4 and PS Vita. A brand new word search game, uh, a word search puzzle from Paugi. This time there's no grid, no list of words to find, and no wrong letters. Discover the 50 intertwined words and paint them with vibrant highlights to create a unique piece of blended color art as you relax into each puzzle. These guys are releasing a lot of games. A lot of Paugies. A lot of Paugie. Final Fantasy VIII Remastered comes to PS4. The mega-hit RPG returns. This PS4 version features new graphical enhancements and a whole host of options to customize your gameplay experience. In a world engulfed in war, in war, Squall, a member of an elite mercenary force, leads his group in a fight against the sorceress Edia to prevent her from fulfilling her nefarious goal. Before we get into the next one, Nathan Densley wrote into us. He said, hey, Caratop Colin and Solenoid Chris. I don't know what that means. With the release of Final Fantasy VIII, my favorite in the series. Oh, my God, Nathan, you don't have very good taste. I was wondering if Colin could platinum this one the same as he did for seven. And Chris, does this game interest you? I do intend on playing it. I like the platinum it. The trophies don't seem that hard. Chris, do you want to play Final Fantasy VIII? No. Okay, fair enough. I really, I really don't. Fair enough. Final Fantasy VIII being your favorite Final Fantasy is a little bit mysterious to me. I don't yeah. That's a little bit weird to me. I liked seven and that was it. Mm. And even seven, I like fell off halfway through. You know what I mean? I'm just confused how you like if you played four, not you, but the Royal, you play four, six, seven, nine, even 12 and eight's your favorite. I don't know who dropped you on your head <laughs> as a child, as a young man. Chris, uh, Flowers Are Dead comes to <laughs> PS4. I like that. Flowers Are Dead is a first person story based game. Play as Evelyn. Face your tribulations. Delve deep into your mind. Trace down the one that got away and live through your memories. I like the name. Yeah, I like it because we have Flower and now we have Flowers are Dead. The sequel. It's not really the sequel. Hymno comes to PS4 and Vita. I 
I suspect this is one of those shit trophy games. Hymno is a non-violent, no-death platformer. Use wall jumps, slides, and dashes to reach new heights in randomly generated maps. Using easy-to-learn controls, parkour through each map to overcome performing uh, platforming challenges, I'm sorry, to reach new districts. Level up as new heights are reached, and you rescue wisps to light up the darkness around you. Again, I'm just assuming that it's one of the platinum or games. I don't know for sure. Monster Hunter World Iceborne comes to PS4. Big one. Face off against ferocious beasts as you fight for survival in a lush living ecosystem. Let your hunting instinct take you further than ever. Iceborne is a massive expansion that picks up after the ending of Monster Hunter World and opens up the new Master Rank. Whoa. Mm. People are really excited about that. Remember, Monster Hunter World, the best-selling Capcom game ever. Huge game. Insanely big, actually. I really can't believe that that's their biggest game. Yeah. Including the Street Fighters. I mean, that's really fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. When you consider Street Fighter 2, for instance. It really, Yeah, it really is. And all the turbos and like advanced, whatever the hell. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I think it's at 14 million or so now. It's like, holy shit. NBA 2K20 comes to PS4. 2K continues to redefine what's possible in sports gaming with NBA 2K20, featuring best-in-class graphics and gameplay, groundbreaking game modes, and more. Plus, with its immersive open-world neighborhood... God... Neighborhood, NBA 2K20 is a platform for gamers and ballers to come together and create what's next in basketball culture. NBA 2K20 is an open world game now. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's terrible. I can't take it. It really is a plague. Holy, Holy mother shit. of God. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like an open world NBA game. Are you excited for open world Paperboy? <laughs> Post-War Dreams comes to PS4. Post-War Dreams is a 2.5D. <laughs> you look so dis- you look so destroyed. <laughs> Post-War Dreams comes to PS4. Uh, Post-War Dreams is a 2.5D story which uh, story ri- story rich side-scrolling action game set in the wasteland of USA, play- <laughs> plagued with constant war. Uh, following the collapse of the economy, government, and society, that's all. That's everything. You, you must, collapse of everything. You must brave heavily armed militia, lawless gangs, and other challenges to escape this post-apocalyptic wasteland alive. I think that's what foreigners think the United States is like. <laughs> yeah, just playing with war. <laughs> Project Nimbus Code Mirai comes to PS4. Project Nimbus Code Mirai is a mech-based flying game inspired by the Gundam, Macross, and Ace Combat series. PNCM, that's what it says, features vibrant graphics, blistering action gameplay, and an epic storyline. Fly a variety of battle frames while fighting enemies over floating cities, vast oceans, and in the reaches of space. River City Girls comes to PS4. There's trouble once again in River City, and this time only the girls can save the day. Using a variety of attacks, weapons, and items, these hot-blooded heroines are ready to teach the city's lowlifes a lesson. Either solo or in two-player co-op, it's an old-school rumble for a new generation. Can't wait. Sounds vaguely sexual, This, 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 I'm not going to lie. Yeah, a little bit. Teach them a lesson. Hot-blooded heroines. Teach the city's lowlifes a lesson. I love the word lowlife. It is really what a good. what a that's a Moriarty family word. I like troglodyte a lot. Troglodyte's a good one. Yeah, but in Moriarty land, when you don't like someone, they're a low life. Look at a ne'er do well. Fucking low life. <laughs> it's really mean when you think. About yeah, it's it. like your life is inherently lower than everybody else's. <laughs> fucking low life. It's like a great insult. It really is. Oh man, you guys got to use that low, that insult. I don't see enough low life insults out there in the world. Root Letter Last Answer comes to PS4, the return of the best-selling interactive mystery visual novel. Following the footsteps of Aya Fumino, Fumino, I'm sorry, a school pet. What does that say? A school pen friend? Oh, that's not a word. Pen, uh, I guess it is because Google's not telling me that. Well, I know pen pal. Yeah. Pen friend? I don't know, man. What's it's not saying that it's a wrong. It's wrong in Google Docs here. Yeah, we live uh, in hell. I know. 
A school pen friend allegedly involved in a tragic murder 15 years ago. Explore the prefecture of Shimane. Uncover clues and use the letters you wrote to each other to track down the childhood friends for questioning. That series is actually actually supposed to be pretty good if you're into visual novels. But I keep my visual novel stuff to a bare minimum. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I, mean, I, I identify with that heavily. <laughs> Shalnor Legends Sacred Lands comes to PS4. A young girl has traveled to the Sacred Lands. Within this realm, she will face many challenges, fight dangerous monsters, and solve mysterious puzzles. Many have come to this land before, all in hopes of finishing the sacred trial, but none has succeeded. Will she fail like the others, or will she overcome the odds and return home? She's a failure. She'll fail. Oh, nice. And don't use the word sacred. I have now trademarked that word. <laughs> it's ours. Shellshock Live comes to PS4. Demolish your friends with hundreds of upgradable weapons shot from your customizable tank in this action-packed online multiplayer tank game. And it says, oh, tanks game. I don't think you should say tanks game. Earn XP to level up and unlock new tanks, weapons, and gear. Fight against or alongside your friends for strategic team or free-for-all matches. Sudden Strike 4 Complete Collection comes to PS4. The Sudden Strike 4 Complete Collection offers fans the ultimate uh, World War II... I almost said WWE. WW2. <laughs> World War II strategy experience containing the main game, plus all DLCs, Battle of Curse, Kursk? Kursk, yep. Uh, Road to Dunkirk, uh, Finland... Winter, Finland, Winter Storm, Africa, these, all these hyphens. Africa, Desert War, and the Pacific War. The experience, uh, experience real, fuck, this is fucking me up so bad. Experience realistic, real-time strategy gameplay with tactical depth across 11 campaigns with over 45 missions. Hyphens mess me up for whatever reason. You're a little bit illiterate. I can I definitely am. Just, I mean, I mean, you're not completely illiterate, but you're a little bit illiterate. I, illiterate. I definitely read shit incorrectly. Well, like, you have, uh, weren't you saying that you are, are you're dyslexic? Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. though. Yeah, that was a struggle. I'm sweating. You're right. And that wasn't even Japanese. I know. Spice and Wolf VR comes to PS4 and PSVR. Craft Lawrence, a traveling merchant, <laughs> meets Holo, or Hollow, uh, a beautiful woman who can transform into a wolf. To avoid a sudden downpour, Hollow and Lawrence take shelter in an old abandoned water mill in the woods, huddling around a small fire and enjoying a slightly strange but relaxing time together. You can share that time together with them. Okay. <laughs> The Perplexing Orb comes to PS4. Experience a puzzle platforming challenge like no other. Roll over 60, <laughs> roll through over 60 single player stages collecting artifacts, navigating obstacles, and knocking over the finish post to achieve victory. I like the exclamation point. A lot of exclamation points in there. Yeah, you gotta yell. I used to get made fun of at IGN for using too many exclamation points, so I stopped using them. That's literally a Seinfeld thing also. Yes. Goddamn. Throne Quest Deluxe comes to PS4. Throne Quest Deluxe is a seamless open-world action RPG. Delve into an adventurous world of dungeons and crypts, vicious monsters, and huge amounts of loot. Change between 12 classes and explore your way through dangers on an epic quest to reach the central castle to claim the throne held by a demon boss. Of course it is. Love demon bosses. Torchlight 2 comes to PS4. Isn't this, wasn't this already out? Mm, I guess so. I, hmm. I don't know. I guess it's saying it was on the list. Hmm. <laughs> Torchlight 2 comes to PS4. Uh, Torchlight 2 is fast, fun, and filled with action and loot. The award-winning action RPG is back to bring you its, into its quirky world of bloodthirsty monsters, bountiful treasures, and sinister secrets. Bountiful. Once, yeah, bountiful. Once again, the fate of the world is in your hands. Uh, play Torchlight 2 on PS4 and receive an exclusive pet fairy? Fairy? Yeah. Fairy, yeah. Yeah, That's just spelled the old... The so I guess it's coming it. to PS4, so it, it, it existed before. Yeah, no, it definitely existed before. Okay. 
Truck Racing Championship comes to PS4. The only official simulation that features all the unique characteristics of the European Truck Racing Championship, one of the most spectacular and challenging motor racing competitions, and offers all racing fans a completely new driving experience. Race against a 5-ton, 1,000-horsepower truck against 12 competitors while respecting the race rules. <laughs> How good. That's I, I bet you $10 that's a THQ Nordic game. <laughs> Probably. I would not doubt that. No, that's it. That's everything. Oh, look at that. Because the last one I had there was a letter. Wow. Oh. Nathan Densley comes to PS4. <laughs> comes to PS4 and Vita. Uh, so we got, by the way, a complaint. Not a complaint, but someone wrote in and said it would be nice if we described some of the games that we liked that were on these lists that were not big games. But the problem is, is that they're coming out and we don't get access to most of them before they come out. So we can't really do that. Yeah. So I understand people are like, well, you're always outlining, you know, the games of the week after you talk about them, the big games. And I'm like, well, what 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 do you want from me? Yeah. What do you want? There's a lot of just like stuff that we didn't even know about before today, you know? Right, exactly. Uh, but I don't know. To me, uh, seems like Catherine. Yeah, definitely Catherine. Um, Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm. NBA 2K20 for the Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, River City Girls. Definitely. It's actually a lot of good shit, actually. Yeah, this is a good week. This is a pretty good week. And I would, I and remember, Torch I remember Torchlight 2 being pretty good from what I recall. I don't know. Beyond that, I kind of like the name of Flowers Are Dead. Yeah, Flowers Are Dead is a good name. I like it. So go enjoy. I mean, go, you know, you can go, go read the blog post yourself. We're describing you things to you. So if, if something sounds interesting to you, go ahead and check it out. I just don't know what else you want from me. What else can I do for you? What else is it that I can do for you? Why don't you let me know? Chris, as we always do, let's end our podcast with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. Remember, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand to uh, submit your inquiries. To su submit your inquiries. <laughs> Joe Frantic wrote into us. It said, greetings, Colin and Chris. In regards to your theory, Colin, that game prices will increase next gen, I am not sure I agree. It is obviously possible, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it, but the pricing set for games is not simply based on their budgets. Games are cheaper than ever, but there are also far more people playing them and distributing them than never, and distributing them have never been cheaper. I see what you're saying. The rise of digital cuts out the retailer cut, and the rise of digital cuts out the retailer cut and the cost of physical media. Platforms like Games Pass and whatever Sony's reimagined PS Now is will keep pressure on game prices as they become more appealing to higher new game prices go. I hear what you're saying, Joe, but I, I don't agree. Games are being sold more. That's true, but they're just way more expensive to make. Final Fantasy IV, just as an example, was made in about a year by like 10 people. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's true. They literally made that game with like a dozen people in a year. Yeah. Now, Final Fantasy XV was a different story of course, because expectations for games become different. So I don't agree with you at all. Yeah. Uh, game prices must go up because games are more expensive. And also they don't take account. They, it doesn't take into account inflation at all. And and you have to take into account inflation. You're not going to uh, In-N-Out Burger and buying a 10 cent cheeseburger anymore. And it wasn't that long ago that these games were made like really quickly and for like, with like a far smaller team. You know, yeah, I think even Halo 2 is famously made in like 11 months by like 30 people. Which is insane. That's like 2004, so that's not even that. It's not. It's it's long ago, but it's not that long ago. So like, compare that Bungie to the Bungie now, with like hundreds of people working on on shit constantly. You know, shit's expensive. No, like, absolutely. It, it's got to come from somewhere. Now, are games too expensive or to make? Maybe, but expectations are so high. It's an arms race. It's just like any other industry, right? You iPhones, for instance, aren't becoming cheaper. They're becoming better, and so they're actually becoming more expensive. And and that's, I, I know that this makes people nervous. But I don't think it should because inflation must be accounted for. We've been paying $60 for games for about 10 years. And uh, the games that you were playing 10 years ago were just not as technically fine and not as complicated as some of the games you're playing now. Now, I think you're going to see more of a scale, too. 
uh, and so you're going to play cheap games. Sure. I don't think that, for instance, Truck Racing Championship, I don't know that that's a $60 game. But maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, medieval and just next year's Destroy Humans are probably going to be like 40 or like maybe even 20. Yeah, I would or assume like 30, you know, medieval, I think is going to be twenty nine ninety nine something like that. Yeah, but I think so, too. I think you guys just have to start wrapping your minds around this. If games are really going to be $60 on PS5 and Xbox one, I'll be fucking sh- or Xbox, whatever. I'll be shocked. I'll be absolutely shocked because that is really now we're really getting in the dangerous financial territory for these companies. And I don't know that you guys want that. We have it's got to be a little bit of a give and take, as it were, for sure. Sismigu Peter wrote in us and said, hey, C-squared, I wanted to talk to you about CD Projekt Red's decision to drop binary gender options from their character customization menu. I know it's their IP, their product, and they can do whatever the hell they want, but aren't we getting a bit ridiculous with these things? Who the hell complains I can only choose a male or a female for this game? This sucks. I feel they do this just to save themselves from any kind of criticism, not necessarily because it's what they felt like doing creatively in the first place. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think about this, Chris? This is controversial in some corners, yeah, although I, I don't quite understand. I don't really it. care that much about it. it. It's it's still ultimately like a male female thing. You, it just they don't have the words, but it's very clearly like you either pick <laughs> a male body or a female body. So like I don't know if it really matters that much. If it's gonna make some, if it's gonna make some person play the game that otherwise wouldn't play the game, then whatever. You know, it's. I do think we're getting into weird territory where just saying the words male and female are, are like is like controversial for some reason i think that's a little weird but i don't know if this is really all that big of a deal in this particular instance i just i don't i don't really see that much of a problem i think it's this particular instance and from my opinion where it makes a lot of sense because cyberpunk as a as a genre and as themes gender fluidity is massive The, the idea of cyberpunk not the big c cyberpunk but cyberpunk as a genre a lot of that has to do with like gender fluidity and like and, what it means to be a person right exactly like, yeah. and, and augmentation and all that kind of stuff so actually within the context of cyberpunk 2077 it makes a great deal of sense not to let people pick a male or a female yeah I, and and I, I like that yeah. I, I think that that's, that's i think i get it it seems like it's something that is directed at the so-called sjw and all that kind of stuff but i actually think it's true to form for what their game is if they make the witcher 4 and you can make your own character in it or something and then they have like gender fluid options that doesn't really make any sense but it makes a lot of sense in cyberpunk. So I wouldn't uh, read more read more about the genre and I think you'll come to see what I'm talking about. Because as Chris said, it's really all about fucking with humans and what is alive and what isn't and what is human and what is a machine. And so, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And and I think that it's a good decision, personally. Yeah, it just doesn't bother me at all. Like, I, I don't I'm not less excited for it because I saw it or, you know, and if it doesn't if it doesn't affect me, then like, I don't really care <laughs> is how I put it. I'm very selfish. Well, if they got feedback too, Chris, that was like, this isn't true to form for cyberpunk. That's actually valuable feedback, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. To say like, hey, like if I was on the, working on the game, I'd be like, it's not about trans people. It's That's not what it really is. It's about like, I want to be a little bit female because that's kind of like what this is. I yeah. can have a female body and be a male in my mind or something. I, I think it actually adds a lot of depth to the game. Mm-hmm. Tim Gornell wrote in and said, greetings, Colin and Chris. Returning to the subject of Sean Layden making comments of PlayStation games exploring other platforms, a certain unpopular platform wasn't mentioned, Stadia. I know, I know, but hear me out. 
In interviews, Stadia has alluded to Stadia being designed to pretty much support other companies' stores per se. Essentially, Stadia could in the future have a Steam section, Xbox section, Nintendo section, etc. Is it possible that Sony now having the server capabilities of Google or Microsoft use Stadia in partnership as its streaming service going forward? PS Now is as good as it gets. There is no way it can compete with what Stadia is saying it can offer. Anyway, just another thought. I think it is getting overlooked. Streaming is the future regardless. Why not get in bed with the absolute giant that is Google? Thanks for the great content. It's getting better and better as of late. I fundamentally disagree that streaming is the future of video games. I just fundamentally disagree with this. And uh, I think it's part of the future. And that's the problem with Stadia is that it, it represents what they think is going to be the whole future, but it's only part of the future. Now, can Sony leverage Stadia? Sure. I don't know that they would do it. I think you'll see PlayStation games on Xbox before you see PlayStation games on Stadia. Yeah. Well, they're already working together with uh, the streaming stuff, the Azure and all that right. stuff. So it's like I, I would see that partnership happening way before Google. I think they're partnering together specifically because Google is there. Yeah, I think they're pretty clear about that. Yeah. That they're a little nervous about this. Now, I don't think they should be, but what they should be nervous is if Stadia 2 or Stadia whatever, then, you know, if they really get wise and say, like, we need to have a way to download games, we need to have a way for you to play games offline, we need a way, then that then that becomes a really legit threat. But yeah. I think Stadia coming out of the, I really just don't see how this thing's going to succeed. I just don't get it. I've been radically wrong about things before, so I'm, you know, this could be another one. And I, I'd like to be wrong. I don't want Stadia to fail. But I just don't know. It's the lack of choice. Yeah. Like you got to give people the option to download and uh, install their shit. And like, not I know we don't necessarily own our software, but to own in a manner of speaking, to be able to download something and know that it's going to run as well as it could possibly run, because that's you know people who play video games are a lot more in tune to that stuff than people who like stream movies. Like you're gonna if you're gonna watch a movie, you're not really thinking about like whether or not there's like you know, uh, a slight resolution dip uh, just so it could stream a little bit faster. You know what I mean? The, people aren't really thinking about that because there's no input. So like with a video game, I just feel like the majority of people, even if they're not really cognizant that they're feeling that way, I feel like they do care a lot about like, you know, the fluidity of the experience and like, you know, how input lag functions into things and like whether or not there's like a dip in resolution just to keep the frame rate up. These things matter to people. And <laughs> if you can't install shit, it's going to be all that matters to people. Yeah, I just don't see it. And I don't know that Sony would want to get in bed with Stadia or Google on this because they invested heavily in Gaikai, which is now PlayStation Now, and they're working on it. I mean, they, they, they will make the most amount of money by making their platform work. And so I think a combination of retail games, digital games, downloads, free to play, paid games and obviously streaming, that's all part of the equation. But if you only... It, 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 what Stadia is doing is the equivalent of Sony making a system that doesn't go online. Where it's like, this is, the, this is what we're doing. We're making games. You put discs in them. We're making systems. That's what you're going to do. It's like, no, that's not what we do. Sometimes we do that. But sometimes we also do this. And Stadia just doesn't give you the option. It just doesn't make sense. And the only reason they did it this way was to not get into the hardware game, which means they do not believe in this enough to even do it. This yeah. is exactly what happened well, to Steam Machines. Well, hardware is a huge loss. It is, but this is exactly what Valve did with Steam Machines. That's why that never took off. Because they refuse to do it themselves. Yeah. You know? I think I think ultimately, like, I think Stadia is the future technically. I think in 15 to 20 years, I think we will be streaming a lot more games than we currently are, than we currently think we are. But this is way, way, way too soon. This is like Microsoft making tablets in the 90s. You know? It's just... <laughs> People aren't ready for this. We haven't even got... We, when they made tablets, we still didn't understand what a phone was. You know? We didn't have phones that could do anything. So why would anybody think like they would want like a slightly bigger phone? Eh, you gotta read the room. 
Yeah, I think so. There's a fine line, right? Because sometimes a company tells you what you need before you know. Apple's great at doing that. Apple has many times told people what they needed and then they're like, oh yeah, you're right. So maybe they're, maybe Google's doing the similar thing. Except Google has like a far more tumultuous track record on that front. Well, that's true. You know, that's true. Google Glass, Google Plus, all this stuff that they just threw money at and then eventually just like abandoned. I respect the uh, effort. It's cool. I like the idea. I just don't like the fact that it's so it's technically kind of half-assed. Like, no, why not just make a machine? I absolutely agree. And I think that if Google made a, a small console, they would be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're not going to be in good shape with Stadia. I'll be I'll be shocked if Stadia is anything but a at the most a very lukewarm success for a little while. But we'll see. And when the new consoles come out, <laughs> like when, when PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox are announced and streaming is part of it, why would you need Stadia at that point? Why would you even need yeah, it? Yeah, because now you can install install shit and own it and reliably play it offline. It's puzzling. My internet cuts out constantly. Like, I can't even, like, imagine relying on it for that. This Stadia is one of the few things where I wish I was still in journalism because I would love to grill these dudes. You know, I'd love to be in a room and just be like, why? Can you just... The why is always the most important thing. Why? The why? I, I, if you can't explain the why, as we've talked about in the past, and I do not know why you would ever explain, why you would ever have something like that. It doesn't matter what the what is or the where or the how, if you can't explain the why. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble with this thing. But they're Google, so they're not going to lose anyway. Yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> Google is safe. Luke Ashmore wrote into us, said, hey, Colin and Chris, after Death Stranding received a release date, Kojima was incredibly honest about the amount of crunch he and his team would have to go through. He's been using hell as an analogy very publicly. Today, he tweeted that the team was in mid of Hades, in quotes. A few smaller outlets have covered this, but it's not getting the outrage we saw uh, surrounding Red Dead Redemption 2's dev cycle or other examples of the sort. Why aren't larger outlets or online communities covering this with the fervor we've seen in recent years? Are Kojima and her and his studio immune to possible scrutiny given his status? Or is this due to an understanding of Japan's work culture? Something else entirely. I honestly find Kojima's honesty refreshing, and he seems proud to show he's working hard. Thank you for all of the content. Sacred Symbols Plus has been an amazing addition. I agree with you. It has been an amazing addition, Luke. Chris, what do you think of this? This is actually really interesting because he's right. Kojima has often talked, and not only on this game, but others, about how much they work. And no yeah. one really seems to care. It does seem to be a double standard. It is. Well, it, it could be, but it's also the candor of it. You know, it's it's somebody being like, yeah, they, it's we're working real hard right now, you know, whereas opposed to like a lot of these companies will kind of just kind of keep that under under wraps as if they're doing something wrong. as if they're. Yeah, it's it's the hmm. it's like you're acting as if you've done something inherently terrible. So people are going to react to that as if you have as opposed to if you're just being like, hey, man, shit's crazy right now. We're working 200 hour weeks, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, ah, you know, whatever. I feel like people are just more forgiving of people who are just up front in general, even if they even even if they're like they have like an axe to grind. I feel like that's that's the case. I think it's complicated because and there's uh, also the Japan thing. Yeah. On one hand, I think it's on one hand, I think it's the Japanese thing, not from the cultural perspective, but from we don't really have like if you could read like some of these Japanese sites like 4Gamer and stuff and Famitsu, you might have more detail about what's going on and, and being in those circles and rumors. And maybe they're not thrilled about it in Japan, but we just don't know that. It, I'm always so surprised how persistent the, not the cultural divide, but the language divide keeps us from, from Japan. Like we just don't really know unless people translate it. That's why sites like Amatsu are so great because 
they translate shit and give us a little bit of feedback and stuff we don't really know. So maybe this is something that's being talked about in those circles. I don't know. Yeah. But the other thing I think is, you know, and, and the problem I have with this, to your point about straightforwardness is, to be fair, the Housers were straightforward that they were working 100 hours a week. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said it themselves. It wasn't something that leaked. And people did blow that up into something. And I do think it's because a lot of games journalists do have an axe to grind with game Rockstar. And they yeah. don't have an axe to grind with Kojima. Rockstar pushes boundaries and does inappropriate things and doesn't care that they're offending people, etc., etc. Kojima is like kind of a heroic figure. Remember when he was ousted from Konami? It was like there was a... It was nuts. Do you remember the um, the Jeff Keighley Awards yeah, yeah. that year? Where it was like, what the fuck is going... It was almost like the Kojima Awards. As if... And I've always been puzzled by that. And we've talked about it on the show where I'm like, I don't know. Kojima is definitely an auteur and he's definitely talented and he's definitely got a big brain and very smart and understands. I don't think he's as great as people think he is or as, as people say is. And I do not understand. Like there are people like Ken Levine that I think are like way above where Hideo Kojima is in terms of like vision and execution and those kinds of things. But it's part of the Japanese mystique that I think gives him. Maybe that that extra level. You know, so I, I think it's Maybe. very complicated, but it also may, it, we have to make a lot of assumptions to understand why. And I don't know. Yeah. But the fact that he was barred from going to that show is insane. Yeah, that was nuts. He and I think that was the thing. And that was yeah. the thing. It's like, what? this is fucking crazy, actually. Yeah, Konami's nuts. It's really fun to certain things just get forgotten over time about like how like craziness that engulfed a certain thing. Like we never got the boomerang controller on PS3, but people forget that when we thought we were getting the boomerang controller on PS3, it was nuts. I mean, there were people people were freaking the fuck out. And then it went away and we never talked about it again. That's actually another similar situation where we kind of just don't talk about that fall anymore. The fall of 2015. Really weird. Economy. Yeah. Like really weird. Where people were being locked out of their accounts and people were being like fired and locked out of the building. And yeah. Facebook accounts were being closed. because no, people insane. Were, Fucking crazy shit. Shit moves so quick that we forget about that. Yeah. That that was like a big story. It'd be fun to go back and talk about that one day. so much every day. I know it's too much. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Clark Petri wrote into us and said, greetings, gentlemen. Did either of you listen to John Carmack on JRE? That's Joe Rogan experience. It was a great episode. He succinctly expressed a sentiment regarding game development that I found profound. He talked about how when making Rage, they took too long and the world around them changed. He said that if they can go back, if he could go back, he'd do it all to get the game out two years earlier. He explained that with their heads down trying to implement cool technology, they didn't see the world change with juggernauts like Call of Duty and Battlefield. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode at large and that development content. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I didn't know he was on. Yeah, he was on. So apparently he was on once before. 
or something happened where where id or someone shut it down like where that that podcast never made it out i don't know if it was on joe 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 rogan or someone else so apparently he finally there was a big deal that he finally got to go for people that don't know john carmack was was the co-founder of id and he's at uh, oculus now right yeah yeah i think he's still there and he was a really i think he's being sued by bethesda so as far as I, i could be wrong on this so john carmack co-founded id and did wolfenstein and on all these games and john romero was his his uh his his dude that was with them and he's kind of just disappeared he did that game die katana and all this the shit no one cared about but carmack stayed around with id and when id was purchased by bethesda he was still there and they were working on rage and id tech 5 and all this kind of stuff and vr and so he went to oculus and apparently there's like a lot of contention on if he stole straight up stole shit from bethesda and used it at oculus and so i think that there's a still a big ongoing lawsuit it might have been resolved but i don't think so um going on with him and, mm-hmm. and facebook and id and bethesda so i didn't watch the episode itself but i did want to comment on what he was saying it's very self-reflective and very honest to know rage specifically when it came out it was just weird i remember when that game came out i'm like i don't really understand what this is it's kind of like fallout not really it's got really good shooting runs to 60 frames a second not very fun so it's cool to see someone reflect back and be like, we were just, you don't see that very often. No. Someone saying like, we just were like two years late because we were too obsessed with the technology. And that's good advice. I think technology is overrated when it comes to video games, in my opinion. And that we saw this with other projects. We saw it with the Order 1886, a famous example of a studio that had no fucking idea how to make a game. <laughs> but they made it, they made the tech. It was great tech. Yeah. And then they forgot to make the game. It's kind of like the Nomad Sky also. Right, Exactly. Hey, we can fly the planets now and do nothing <laughs> and do literally nothing on them. That's what I, I'll never I, I have to really talk at length about the, the order 1886 because over over the years, I've talked about it so much about the I saw the game at so many points and just it was getting really funny, like how ridiculous it was that this game was like not even really being made. I remember going to Gamescom. They were promising we would finally see the games behind closed doors. So I'm in, I'm in Cologne in Germany. We go and it's them running Galahad or whatever his name is around an empty room, a white room to show us the animation. This was a year and a half before the game came out. Then I saw it in Santa Monica at Shutter's Beach right down the street or Shutter's Inn right down the street. And the game was running like 15 frames a second. It never ends. Technology's overrated. Oof. Make your game first. Make your game. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about anything else. Finally, Chris. Jeffrey Leonard wrote into us. Jeffrey says, hey, gruesome twosome. I'll allow it. Recently, it was revealed that NBA 2K20 was going to have actual casino gambling minigames in their My Team game mode, the NBA equivalent of Ultimate Team. This includes a slot machine, roulette, and pachinko game that allows you to unlock in-game content. I know the two of you differ on whether or not these practices are immoral to include in a $60 game, but is this a sign that developers are growing bolder? This seems to indicate that 2K is not in the slightest worried about the flack they could receive when the world is drawing comparisons of microtransactions to gambling. I understand free to play, but this seems a step too far. Chris, did you see this? There's actually a trailer dedicated to this, and which it, was pretty and bold. It's, and it even advertises in the same exact way that a, a casino advertises. The elation of winning and shit. Like showing streamers or it whoever. It seemed intentional to me that yeah. they were actually positioning it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see it the way Jeffrey's talking about it. I, I see it as them saying it is gambling. So here is us being totally honest about it instead of like sneaking it in. For sure. I, I do think it's bold in a sense that I, I, I think they're just trying to uh, get it out there and get as much money while they can <laughs> before like, I feel like something's going to happen. Like, it feels weird. Like, especially in like teen rated games, you know, that's the thing about it. If it's, if it really is like that, then maybe, maybe it's an M. 
Maybe put an M on it. Yeah. If you put an M on it, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I, honestly, like that's that's really the thing about it. Yeah. NBA 2K20 is rated T, I think, right? That must yeah. be, It can't be rated M. No. There would that, be no reason for it to be. Right. Yeah. You, if not for the fact right, that... You're right, though. That's a good... That's an interesting point. Could ESRB take care of this problem? I think they could. Yeah. If it's got, if it's got literal gambling in it, M. Yeah. Or even 18 plus. Yeah. Like a whole... Well, now, that would be AO, and I know that the consoles won't carry that, but maybe there should be something else in between. Because AO indicates, like, like gratuitous sexuality and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And violence. This just indicates, like, you should be 18 or older to be able to do it. Yeah. But... I, again, and he, he identified that you and I do have a difference of opinion on this. I really don't have an issue with this. I really mm. don't. Like, I don't have an issue with it because it's just don't do it if you don't want to do it. Right. Just don't do it. For just sure. don't do it. Right. <laughs> but know? like also then, uh, I don't know, at that point you could always just like get rid of the ratings altogether at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it should still be it rated. Should be, it should be, I, I think if it's something, if you have alcohol in a game and then it's like that shoots it up. Like, I feel like if you put gambling in a game, it should shoot it up. Sure. It's really that that's that simple shit. Particularly gambling you particularly, partake in. Particularly because gambling specifically is such a thing. It's, it's like manipulation of adult minds. And the idea of, like, just shoveling shit like that, like, from a psychological standpoint into games that, like, kids are playing, feels, feels a little weird. Feels a little underhanded. My argument has always been just, like, I just hate that this shit is here. Because I think it just makes games worse. Right. Like, I think, it, I think it negatively impacts the quality of every game that it's in. But isn't it essential then? See, this is how we, we, when we put our fingers on the scale and try to affect things, or we really don't, but we just talk our mind. It really, to me, indicates that this stuff persists because people do use it. It does. And, and so, is it wrong for but us? So it's, to, but so then it's a reliable form of income then, right? Right, of course. So, make your, so, your, so your game is free then? Your so, game is free. So what Fortnite should, yeah. is free and it makes billions of dollars more than anything else. Right. Just make your game free. If you're going to put money, hmm. d this kind of shit in your game, it should be free. That's interesting. Well, we've talked about it many times that I think NBA and Madden and FIFA are rife for platform releases. Right. Is, is a, and free platform releases that you pay for roster updates, you pay for jerseys and teams and whatever. Exactly. I agree with you there. The problem with this, you know, because he's asking, like, how are they going to get away with this? And, and it's it, the reality is, is that there is no competition with NBA games. This is what we no, were talking exactly. about with MLB. <laughs> it's actually even worse because with the MLB, you can still play like rbi baseball and some of these like a games right yeah. there is nothing like that for the nba no nba live that ea does is canceled like every other year because it sucks in fact at ign we got a copy of the game that was canceled we have a we had a physical copy of an nba live game that was not even released because they at the last minute they're like oh, this is this isn't good nba 2k is a dominant game and mm. and, and widely considered the best sports game in the world so uh, i think so to his point, it's a, that doesn't really matter. But what I'm saying is, is that no one that's going to play it has much of an option and they don't care. And no. as we talked about in the past on NPDs, NPA sticks around forever. I, I bet you it'll be so crazy that when we read the September NBA or, or August NPDs, it'll be NBA 2K19 will be on that list. Oh, for, and then the next month, NBA 2K20 will be on the list. I'm sure of that. So I think that they just don't give a fuck. No, they definitely don't. <laughs> And I don't know, you know, I know Chris and I disagree with this, and I know a lot of people disagree with me specifically. A lot of the audience is with Chris, which I respect. But to me, it's it's two things. It's agency about, like, just don't do it. If you For don't sure. want it, just don't do it. But also, like, money talks, and, and you have to kind of accept sometimes when you lose the battle, right? And we can continue to complain about this stuff, but the battle's lost. The stuff's in the game because it works. No, yeah, I would right? agree with that. So yeah. that's kind of my, like, we can talk ad nauseum about it, and I'm certainly will. And I agree with Chris. I do think that we're coming up to a head where... The government's going to get involved in this. Yeah. And the video game industry, as I've said, is adept at keeping the government out. 
So what I'm interested in is how they react to this, because it's not so much a big deal in the U.S., but in Europe, it's really getting big with FIFA and all that kind of stuff where people are getting upset. And it's before the EU and it's before the British Parliament and it's before, you know, fucking. And we want to avoid that. (laughs) Right. Because the Senate and the House can't do anything to begin with. Imagine someone going in there and talking about video games. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't even bear to watch that. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just bothers the hell out of me, especially with like stuff like it's not gambling. Obviously this is more like a microtransaction thing. But when I saw crash team racing had like microtransactions, I was like, this should have been like $40 then. Or like, just don't make it a, like a $60 game then. You know what I mean? They instituted those after the game came out, right? Too? After all the reviews were out. So that's which seemed, is a common, that which is a, a common, th- it's a common thing now. Yeah, that's they did that with black ops four as well. Activision does this a lot. And it's just like, yo, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I love that game, and I would, I'd buy all of them. Like, for real. I'd put a, a ridiculous... I bought that game on three platforms. Well, two, I guess, because I got one for free. But if people support the game, they'll they'll support it. You know what I mean? They'll like it. They don't have any problems supporting shit that they like. But, like, you got to read the room, I think. And I guess, like, in, in the realm of sports games, people are more okay with it because it is more of a casual kind of audience, I think. Or, like, they're, they're hardcore about sports games, but it's more... Yeah, that's what they it's, play. It's more detached from, you know, you can't pull NBA stuff in, in Battlefront. Or Battlefield, because you'll get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and hey, you make a good point, Chris, that Activision and others putting it in after the fact is so disingenuous and dishonest. I agree with that. Yeah. You actually kind of have to respect 2K for being like, this is what it is, and for it's sure. going to happen. And it's in the game. You know, I understand that doesn't make it better for some people, but for me, I, I kind of look at that and be like, oh, that's a kind of a step in the right direction. Maybe we should have some sort of blanket ban, whether it's from the from the ESA or something like that, saying like you can't put the shit in after the game's out. There's a lot of ways to mitigate yep. it. I think there's like the, the the ESRB. I think has like the most pull. I think if you if you just include that in ratings, like I think that'd be a huge step. Honestly, definitely, I agree. Yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't be gambling unless you're 18 years old and, yeah. and have some idea of what you're doing. I agree with that. I don't think children should be. 13 year olds should be gambling yeah. in NBA 2K. Especially but, just because the psychology of it, again, is yeah. like it's meant to manipulate adults. So like kids are just obviously like they're not they're not they're not equipped to do that. <laughs> but this all goes back to like parents making sure that what their kids are playing. 100 if, if you're using money on PSN, that must come from someone's credit card. I mean, there, there's 100 yeah. percent. You know, th- it's, it's more complicated. People it, have yeah. their own agency over this. Right. It's definitely people's fault. <laughs> but. I don't know. It's it's a complicated thing, especially just because it's such a weird thing that we're dealing with right now that we've never dealt with yeah. really in video games. Yeah. At least like from a console AAA standpoint. We'll see. We'll see how all this goes. We will indeed, Chris. That's all I have for episode 62. Well, look at that. Symbols. It's over. Oh, That's no. It. We're going to go record Sacred Symbols Plus and, by the way, a Mega Man Let's Play as voted on by the patrons. Yeah. Uh, Chris is going to play Mega Man. I know you guys have all seen me play Mega Man. I can slaughter it. You all know that. Oh, man. But Chris is now going to sit down and play Mega Man and we're going to record that and put that up. So by the time you hear this on free feeds, that Let's Play should be up. And uh, I, I just want to I did put this note on the Dreams Let's Play we did. Some people were upset that we were kind of making fun of the stuff fun, we're seeing. Yeah. I get it. Like, that wasn't really the intention. I know that we didn't really look for the best of the best. So what we're going to do is we're going to do another Dreams Let's Play in the near future. And we're going to solicit specific recommendations from the audience of things to go see. Now, that's not going to mitigate our problems with the UI and all the shit that's going on in that fucking really obnoxious watermark that's always there. But we're going to at least be able to see the thing. So I hear you. We're going to be able to see the stuff that's better and really give it a a fair shake. And then the Let's Play that was designed to give the game a fair shake, perhaps we didn't. Yeah, maybe. So I want to say that. Maybe we were wrong on that. Or Chris didn't do anything. I, I, you know, it was my idea. So we'll see you for episode 63 next week. 
Remember to support us on Patreon if you can. Tell friends and family. Go buy merch. Be good to each other. And be well. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Justin Bearden, Martin Beck, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Blossford, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jimmy Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Tom Cargill, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davin, Mitchell Durkash, Zachary Douglas, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Martha Emery, Liam Fagan, Joe Finelli, Eric Fickenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wide Henry, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jaggard, Jimmy Jolicure, Joshua Jonathan, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Auntie Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan. Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kozachka, Ron Kroskoff, Jackson Lostiqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Duncan Leishman, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith A. Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, David Mann, Peter Mark, Matt Martin, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Philip J. Melk, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Midling, Matthew Miller, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nick, Donnie Nolan, George A. Nunez, Grayson Orr, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Thibaut Poplier, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Sharo Kader Hamakarim, Andrew Ramos, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Daniel Rivas, Johnny Rosado, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholz, Toby Schutman, Glendon C. Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Strychar, Wesley Simmons, Ahmad Tamar, Will Thelander, Ben Thompson, Ren Todd, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Josh Wire, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Hugo's Desk, Organic Produce, Jeff, Casual Misfits Gaming, Supershot ST, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, Infinite, Madmock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Rainick, Donk2015, and Gavin. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.